Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's happening? What happened to me? What the yeah. heck just happened? What did I? Hey! What in make, the world? <laughs> I wanted to make a dramatic edge, but no, all seriousness. Look at that handsome face right there. Oh my it's goodness it's gracious. Right. It tells me, okay. That picture right. tells me, have you seen this man? Please remember <laughs> your local authority. Be cautious when approaching him. Because he has multiple personalities. <laughs> is, is that the uh, the milk carton look? That's the milk carton. Have, have, have you seen this man? No, no. Have no, you no, seen no, this no, boy? No, that's not the milk carton look. That's the Jim Beam look. <laughs> I'm a Jack Daniels man. Thank you very much. Oh, I'll have you know. know. There we go. Anyway. Sounds good to me. Look at look at I get to, I'm so lucky. I get to do this again, Rob. You know, how long does it really take to move your kid into college? Here's my hypothesis, fellas. Uh, my very scientific educated guess. Rob's partying. Like people don't people don't know. Rob can throw down, man. Rob can party. Rob yeah. Rob need, Rob need the mental break also. Rob need the mental break. Um You know what's so funny? I saw this picture of Rob on Twitter one day and he had the uh the eyes of I'm out here. He had he, he had the I'm out here eyes. <laughs> I'm outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they still tell tales of uh, Rob Ellis's partiness at uh, at Temple University. I know when I went there, they were just like, "Do you party like Rob Ellis?" And I'm like, "Who is this Rob Ellis you speak of?" You know, yeah. they call him back. You know, they used to call him back in the day, right? They used What's to call that? Him, they used to call him Ellis Island. Oh, oh, Ellis Island. Wow, because you because you couldn't you couldn't come in his vicinity without stopping by. Every yeah, day. no further questions. No further questions. Don't want to know Ellis what Island. went down on Ellis Island. Do not, <laughs> do not want to know what went down there. Uh, hey, uh, Gunner, you can identify with it. So, uh, Tone, yeah. by the way, hi, no, my no, name no, is Mark. No, wait. Before you go any farther, make sure you identify our illustrious chat. Because if you don't acknowledge them, they get real surly. So That's make sure you, you know, welcome all, all the good folks in today. All make right, sure. Chris D, Daz, Forrest. What's going on? <laughs> Forrest, Rob on edibles would be something. That is true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> fitness, uh, fitness rebel. 
What's poppin'? How is everybody doing? Dank. Good to see you. Dank. Just a teep, as I like to pronounce his name or her name. I don't know. Uh, Farzi. Great. Oh, thank you very much. It's very good. No, Rob today. Rob is off, JB. Uh, me Monday. and Tone are hanging Monday. in. He'll be back Monday. He'll be back Monday. Uh, but everyone in the chat, welcome in. Welcome to the party. You left out Tyler. You left out Forge. You left out Miguel. Come on, man. You can't, All right. you can't just our peeps like this, dude. All right. Now, roll call. All right. Tyler, present. Forrest, present. Miguel, hola, como estas? Chris D, Chris D, Rob, JP, Philly 559. What's going oh, on? Man. Crazy. Oh, crazy is a regular on the uh, Fightin's post game. Nice to see it. Donnie plus exclamation point. Okay. Nicobe Dean played a real good game. Uh, Christian Ellis was also good. Yes, he was. Uh, Mr. Taz. Uh, hello. Dank, I got you guys. Got you guys. Got you. 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 Uh, Jami. Jamie. Jami. What's up? Mike is right. Laugh out loud. Going on. All right. Everyone. Think, yo, Kevin Savard. Still talking. Uh, still talking uh, Cheerios. Anthony. What's up? He says, sup all. Sup, Anthony. Uh, there we go. Did I get everybody? You're good. I think, I, think right. I got everybody. All right. Man Bar I Act. Hello, guys. From Wallingford, Pennsylvania. That's a new one. Man there Bar. We go. Man. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to this crazy place we call Sports Take. Hmm. Uh, Gunner. Yes. This, and I think people in the chat can identify with this, too. There comes a time in yeah. uh, not just every man's life, but every uh, person's life, where... You are uh, abnormally excited for things that just maybe a year or two earlier you would have thought were boring as all hell. I well, present to you one of. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I am abnormal, so go ahead. Right. <laughs> I, I present to you our uh, illustrious producer and co-host today, Tone to Shields. Tone, yeah. um, please tell me what were you and your wife ecstatic over uh, upon the delivery to your new home? Oh man, <laughs> let me tell you. So, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to be with you guys for another day. Obviously, you know, yesterday I kind of went Hollywood on you guys a little bit, but yeah, it's did. all right, though. It's yeah, all right did. because I still love you. I had to make sure you guys looked pretty on the screen, first and foremost. <laughs> but, you know, there comes a point in time where adulting becomes your it becomes the band of your existence, but it becomes the that it becomes to take over every fiber of your existence, right? You know, when you're young, you're excited about electronics. You're excited about, you know, going here, going here. You're excited about, the, you know, the, the little things, right? But when you get to a certain age, the, 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 the smallest of things excite you. For example, me and my wife were excited about, new, about a new shower curtain. It, 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 it makes almost no sense, but it makes all the sense in the world because you know there are shower curtains out there that just they they build up grime and they build up mildew. And, you know you want to make sure you get the perfect shower curtain. Yeah. Make sure it's coated with antimicrobial uh, film. You want to make sure that it can, it, it can survive any sorts of bacteria by you know by excess of water. On top of that, getting excited about a new couch. It's, it's certain things that you become excited about when you're a kid. Like, I'm pretty sure, D-Gun, you were excited when you got a new power drill or a new screwdriver or a new stool. Here, here's the thing. Or, or a new spatula for the grill masses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that far gone yet. But, like, when I get new grills, uh, new grilling accessories, especially, like, the more complicated things like learning how to work uh, um, a big green egg, learning how to work a Traeger pellet smoker, I get jacked up about those kind of things. Accessories for grills, fishing gear. I have seven. I have eighteen different 
types of rods and reels in my garage, and I have two packed um, tackle boxes full of lures, hooks, and all this stuff. So I get excited because I go to Cabela's. Like I said, I always tell my wife and kids, give me gift cards to Cabela's. I go to Cabela's <laughs> and I sell this stuff, and I'm like, oh, oh, man. And I'll buy some stuff because I got all these gift cards. I still got like $300 worth of gift cards sitting here. So I can't wait to go back to Cabela's again. So yeah, stuff like that. But when it comes to the shower curtains, the couch, prime example, my wife redid the entire living room downstairs. Basically, for years, I had a, we had a couch in there nice table, and I had my 90-gallon aquarium sitting in there. And earlier this year, I think my family was just shocked. I drained the tank, and I just got rid of the fish. I gave the fish to a pet store down the road, and my family's like, Dad, you've had that tank since 1995. And the stand was custom-made for me. The tank, well, I had to replace the tank as a place called uh, Just Fish in, in Lancaster. It's like the Walmart of fish stores. You go in there, Everything you it's like a beacon of light shines down when you go in there and you hear the voice go, oh. and it's like every type of tank, shape, size, accessory. So I used to get excited about stuff like that. So once I got rid of the tank, my wife decides to redo the entire living room, couches, tables. So she went, What do you think? What do you and I'm like, Do you like it? Okay. I don't get excited about the furniture, painting, paint color, coordinating colors. But the power tools, my grilling stuff, fishing stuff, yes. Yes, I do. That I, that I can identify with. And whenever the wife wants to reorganize something or redecorate something, yes. that's where uh, I think – and I give this line to everyone. Gunner, you probably don't need it. But if you're, I've been married five years now. Uh, where I'm at is, uh, babe, I live for your happiness. I live for your happiness. Hey, listen, that's I'm what on, I'm on, on two repeat. Years. Two I'm, years. I'm, I'm just passing two years of uh, being married and – I'm learning rather quickly. My happiness means absolutely nothing. Nope. <laughs> nope. Did, we can find content a lot easier, I yep. think, than most most people's wives. I think that's just a fair statement to make. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as the shower curtain goes, um, micro organ. What was that? Micro – what was I've that? I've never heard of such a thing. Microbials. Anti-microbials. Microbials. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll write the one that. And then, Gunner, it was called Just Fish. The store is just, I think it's called Just Fish. It's in Lancaster, I believe. Oh, it's in Lancaster. I thought it was, okay. All right, never mind. Man, oh, man. All I know is just say yes, you guys. All you got to do is just <laughs> say yes and just sit back and everything else will be much smoother for you. Yep, You'll yeah. have to be happier if you just learn the, th the three-letter word, just yes. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, you got to be careful. You got to pick your battles. It's like the, uh, the, the Brett Brown said something, and I know he wasn't everybody's favorite, but Brett Brown said something about being a head coach where you only have so many bullets as a head coach. Like you can't yell and scream at the guys all the time. Otherwise they just tune you out. You can't cry wolf. You got to learn when to put your foot down. You know, you can't just pick every battle. You can't fight every fight. You live yeah. to fight another day. That's right. Oh, that's it. A killer ferret. That fish place. That's it in Lancaster. Unbelievable. If you're in the aquariums, everybody in the tri-state region knows where this place is. You know, you get a lot of stuff, discounted prices and stuff like that. Um, and so I was I shopped there occasionally and bought some things as well. I had to replace my tank there. Got a good deal on a 90-gallon tank with my original tank I'd had for over 20-something years. Finally gave out the adhesive and stuff. Just wasn't holding along the edges of the glass. I didn't want to come home and see the whole front glass uh, laying on the floor. 90 gallons of water all over the carpet and fish laying there with the little fins up like dead roaches. I didn't want to see that. So. <laughs> oh, uh, man. 
Tone, I uh, I just I have to say this uh, at the top of the show here uh, in our first segment. Now, Tim McManus is going to join us, Gunner, at uh, twelve thirty today, ESPN. Yes, sir. Tim McManus will be joining us, also known as uh, Tim Nine Fifty. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll talk to him uh, about all things uh, Eagles and last night's game. But Gunner, um, well, first off, Tone, I think you already know this. We're working with a brilliant na- uh, brilliant man, and that man's name is Derek Gunn. Derek. Called it out last night, saying that um, uh, our man Zach McPherson was going to have an Achilles injury. Uh, it was likely that it was an Achilles injury. It breaks officially today, Gunner. He does, in fact, have an Achilles injury. So, uh, unfortunately, the Eagles will be missing him this year. Uh, Eagles, I was a guy that said the Eagles had an embarrassment of riches when it came to the cornerback position. Eli Ricks didn't look so hot last night. Keely Ringo didn't look so hot last night. And, of course, Zach McPherson, who got picked on something terrible in the early parts of that game, ends up uh, leaving with a uh, Achilles tear. So that is a very unfortunate thing. And then one more thing, Gunner. You had thought that Nolan Smith was leaving the game with a stinger. Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't you know, when he was addressing the media after the game, Nolan Smith said, nothing to worry about. It's all precaution. It's just like a stinger, basically a stinger. Everything's fine. I'll be out there. And he was talking about playing next week. Let me go ahead and, uh, and, and I think speak for – I don't like speaking for the fan base nowadays. Fan base, have their, they have their own outlets. They get to speak for themselves. But I think I speak for everyone when I say, no, <laughs> you are not playing next week. Nobody uh, that will no. have any huge contribution no. to this team will be playing next week. We'll go through the injuries that have been going on around the NFL through the preseason. But, Gunner, you're right on the money as per usual. Um, You know what? When you've covered this game – as long as I have, when players go down a certain way, you just, there's something in your gut. It just, just like, no, 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 no. But I've seen this happen too many times. It's the same thing with concussions. I've seen so many concussions. I know that when a player's arm locks up when he's laying on the back, on his back, that's an automatic concussion. You just, and I was hoping I was wrong. And I don't, you know, in a situation like this, I don't care about being wrong. But unfortunately, after I made my initial uh, statement on Twitter, then I started checking with sources. Sure enough, uh, it turned out to be, and it became official today. You know, good young player. He was a good. He's a good role player. He, I thought he was a good role player who had a chance to play some significant snaps for this team. And now, you know, now they're a little little thinner at that cornerback spot. I'm sure Howie will go out and find another young player to bring in here. But uh, it's unfortunate that this young man loses an entire season now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a guy that's really been trying to you know, up the ante. He's been trying to, you know, improve his game each and every single season. Zach McPherson came out of Texas Tech. I believe he was a fourth, fifth, or sixth-round pick, somewhere around there. And, um, you know, he's been a guy that he's had his struggles. He's had his up and downs um, with the Philadelphia Eagles. They tried him out on the outside, didn't really work. And then he finally found that sweet spot, um, you know, being in the slot back in the Bavante Maddox. And, you know, he had moments where he, where he, you know, where he wasn't becoming a liability anymore. Yeah. Um, and then to have this kind of setback and you know this this early in his career, um, I believe he's I believe he was entering third season uh, uh, of his young career. I think he was a part of that Devontae Smith Landon Dickerson draft class. So he was entering the third year of his very young career, and he had an opportunity. You know, on his roster, you know, we know Devontae Maddox has dealt with injuries in the past. So you know, and also these corners are getting older. You know, Derek Slay and James Bradbury. And you can't safeguard against injury. So there probably would have been a chance that he would have that he would have been able to get on the field. But again, 
you know, dealing with an injury like this, a torn Achilles at that, you know, it's not just a sprain. It's not just, you know, a broken bone. It's an Achilles. And it's really hard to come back from a torn Achilles. We've seen Brandon Graham do it, but, you know, like there are some people who are just freaks, you know, just mentally and physically, right? And Brandon Graham was one of those guys. Even Kobe Bryant struggled coming back from a ruptured Achilles or a torn yep. Achilles. So, yep. um, you know, it, it, it takes a special breed of person to come back from that. It's, it's going to be more than just the physical, right? It's going to be the mental, the emotional, um, you know, being able to trust his body again. So it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how he bounces back from it, but also how, but also uh, who steps up because there's so many people who have an opportunity now. And again, we're no one's wishing for someone to get hurt, but this is the NFL which stands for not for long. And also it means next man up. So who else do we have? Josh Job. We have uh, uh, Greedy Williams. You have uh, the kid Eli Ricks. You know, they have some depth there, uh, uh, Kelly Ringo. So it's going to be really interesting to see who gets an opportunity to really crack this 52-man roster. Uh, yeah, And uh, by the way, not a good night for any of them. <laughs> last night, it was not yeah. a really good night for any of them. Uh, unfortunately, last night, uh, the worst of it, of course, was Zach McPherson. But uh, talk about six guys that went down with injury last night. Uh, Zach McPherson, uh, by far the most serious. Tyree Cleveland and um, uh, Moro uh, Ajomo uh, were carted off. Uh, they were put on stretchers, but they did have movement in their extremities. We're still waiting for more word on them. But we know one in particular is done for the season, and that is Zach McPherson. Uh, let's, let's, you- let's talk about Let's talk about the – Cleveland injury in particular because you brought this up in the show meeting oh yeah he's laying on the ground and you see the entire stadium doing the wave uh. it was put out there by you know a reporter in, in Philadelphia and Darius Slade jumped on it real quick about do better Philadelphia and you see some of the comments and you know I saw one comment that said you know it wasn't announced you know there were a lot of people at that point because there was a, a lull in the, in the period in, in the game where people weren't paying attention to what's going on the field. You know, it's like when a wave start, it's a part of, and the stadium was packed. You know, it's just part of the football ambiance. You do something to entertain yourselves. And the wave has been around for decades. It's, it's unfortunate that it happened at the most inopportune time. Some people are saying, you know, hey, you know, a lot of us, you know, I was there. A lot of us, um, you weren't even paying attention to what was going on on the field. We didn't know the severity of it. Some other people were saying, I was there, yes, and it was disgusting to see that happen. A mixed bag of, of uh, comments in terms of how it should be perceived. Um, it does look bad when you got a player laying there on the ground and you got all these officials and trainers huddle around them. It's a time, an extended timeout, and you see the entire stadium doing a wave like a tsunami. You know, um, you hate to see that. And, and unfortunately, Here's another incident, incident, um, incident, I should say, where Philadelphia could get a black eye behind this, you know, because, you know, a lot of people on the outside looking in can't wait to jump on Philadelphia for any and everything. Right, right. It's, it's you, the same. You know, really, really quickly, Mark, I'm just bouncing off of what uh, D-Gun said. You know, it's interesting how when you read the comments and stuff like that, you, you see so many polarizing uh, ideas and so many uh, uh, polar different uh, opinions, right? And let's, you know, let's just call it what it is, right? I'm born and raised in Philly. I, I completely understand the city, and I understand uh, why people like to give Philly a bad name, even though it's unjust and unfair. Like, people t- tend to always reference the Santa Claus thing that happened, what, in the 60s or the 70s? I mean, like, come on. Like, yeah, like, come on. I like, try to be a little bit more creative here, right? But something like this happening, it doesn't make the city look good. Granted, at the same time, 
But for those who try to say, well, you know, we didn't really know what was going on. We were just trying to entertain ourselves. Let's be frank about this. If that was a player down there that you knew, that stadium would have been quiet. Let's, be, let, let, let's, let's just call it what it is, okay? Let's, let, let's have a little bit of self-accountability here, Philadelphia. If that, was, if that was a player that you all knew that was going to be pivotal to this season, you would have heard a pin drop in that, in that stadium. You would, have heard, you, would, you would have heard a mouse piss on a piece of cotton. That's, that's how quiet it would have been. So I don't want to I, – I, I just can't throw the people – and again, I don't want to even just say the city, the people who are in, in attendance, right? I can't throw those people bail because, you, because you're trying to say, ah, oh, you know, we, we, we didn't know what was going on. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's a flat-out lie. You guys, I agree. You guys saw the cart come out, and I bet any amount of money, if that was Devontae Smith, if that was Dallas Goddard, if that was Jalen Hurts or A.J. Brown, you guys would have been clutching your pearls. So please – have a little bit more accountability, Philadelphia, okay? Don't try to bail yourself out and say, well, you know, we, we didn't know what was going on. You did. You saw the cart. You saw the group of people huddling around this guy. Take some accountability, Philadelphia. Take some. Oh, yeah. valid, valid point. Valid yeah. point. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can pull it up again and let's see. And see some of these comments um, to, to support or to to confirm what what, what – uh, tone is talking about here um let's see it wasn't announced in the stadium and he was down so close to the sideline that most didn't notice until the card came out um could it be possible that fans hundreds of feet away not paying attention to a god-awful preseason game may not be fully aware of what was happening on the field okay all right the wave i despise that thing more than anything else in sport okay (laughs) Uh, I was there. I agree with you. Now, Jamie Apote is the one that put the video out there from my six ABC and she's got all the hundreds of comments, uh, pertaining to it. Mm-hmm. And, she, you know, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, it's Philly. Is everyone surprised? Okay. So that's obviously somebody, somebody not from Philly. Hater. You know, um, nobody I- pays attention at preseason games. Most aren't people who would be there on a regular season Sunday. Well, when the stadium's that packed, I'd say the majority of your fans there are football fans. You do get a few that might be in town and visiting. Hey, let's go to a preseason football game. But for the most part, those are diehard football fans. Um, you know, you knew a player was down and not moving. Any other time, and Tone is right, any other time any player goes down, this, there's a hush over the stadium, you know. Um, and you automatically saw people come running out, trainers, coaches, players – once a player goes down on a knee, that's when you know it's serious also. Anytime you see a player go down on a knee, you see players holding hands, some praying, you know it's serious. You know, and, and all of a sudden they bring out the neck brace. You still know it's serious and people are having a good old time, you know. I'll take it a step further, D-Gun. When Sean, yeah. when Sean Bradley got hurt, yeah, what, what happened? And granted, that wasn't in Philadelphia. That was in Baltimore. Both yeah. sidelines came over. And, but and when Sean Bradley got hurt, both both sidelines came out. You didn't hear about a wave or anything. You didn't, right, you, right. You, didn't hear, you didn't you didn't see or hear about none of that, right? Now I don't know if anything happened. I can't speak what I don't know. But but based on my knowledge, everybody seemed to be pretty con, you know pretty contrite, you know when Sean Bradley went down. Yeah. So look, I'm not blaming my whole city. I'm I'm not one to blame a whole city, you know for you know, a small pool of people. I'm, I, don't, I don't believe in that. But it does make those in attendance look bad, which then 
kind of plays as a symbol for the city. Philadelphia, we're blue collar city. We're rough around the edges. That's the reality. A lot of bad things happen every single day, and we turn our cheek because it is what it is. Things happen to, things happen to people every single day. But the reality is, Philly, that guy went down. He's fighting for a roster spot. He's fighting for a paycheck, man. Who knows what happened? Who knows where his career goes from here? It sucks, and I feel bad for him. And then I saw this one image on, on, on television where there was a guy recording him being stretched out on the, on the cart. And I was like, come on, dude, really? Like, is, 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 is that the footage you want to show your kids when you get home? Like, it was, it was just weird. Uh, I will say real quick, Jimmy Kemsky has the smoking gun. Uh, I know Jamie Apote put it out. A lot of people uh, tweeted about the video and tweeted tweeted the video out. Jimmy Kemsky has the smoking gun where you see literally the wave going in front of the press box and you see the cart coming out on yes. the field, backing yes. up and getting into position to pick up. At that point, everyone just sit the hell down. Now, Gunner, to the second comment that you read about people being there, not really being aware of what was going on because it was right. a preseason game. Jalen Hurts wasn't playing. A.J. Brown wasn't playing. Devontae Smith wasn't playing. So if you have the backups in there. So people are already halfway tuned out uh, to what's going on. That I understand. But the yeah, minute you see a cart, like, all right, everybody, let's settle the hell down here for a minute. And to anyone that wants to attack Philadelphia, I, I got news for you. I've done extensive studies. There are complete douchebags everywhere. Okay, yeah. complete. Yeah. It's not a. It's not you. Especially in violated. Dallas. Especially we in get... Dallas. <laughs> well, it's funny <laughs> about them. They tend to like branch out to other places and you know muck up those fan bases. But um, it, when it comes to this in particular, there are fan bases everywhere that have their uh, unfortunate moments. Philly certainly has theirs. We get the blame simply because you know you start out by throwing snowballs at Santa Claus, and everyone for generations upon generations. We'll pile on for that one instance. I've never seen a city like, and I've lived coast to coast. I've never seen a city like Philadelphia that consistently gets a black eye and so many other things that are more egregious in other parts of the country. They get mentioned, but they don't get, they're not dissected the way things are in Philadelphia. Um, Philly you know, is the punching bag of the NFL. Yes. They, 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 they try to, they try to paint Philly in a certain light. All the time, right? They use Philadelphia as a marketing tool. They use Philadelphia for clickbait. We just saw Colin Cowherd leave Jalen Hurton, AJ Brown off of his top ten wide receiver quarterback duos. Yeah, it's one, it's one thing not having me a top five. Okay, whatever, we could debate that. But you don't have them on your top ten. Exactly. You have you have Derek Carr and Chris Olave on there. You have yeah. Derek Golf and Amon Ross St. Brown. No disrespect to those guys, but Jalen Hurton, AJ Brown, Jared Golf, Amon Ross St. Brown. What are we talking about? So, again, Philadelphia is a tool for a lot of these mass media pundits to push their narrative. And whenever the ratings are down for them, oh, let's let's break glass and bring Philadelphia into it because we know they're going to come like they're going to come like flies to a to a pile. You know what? So it, it, it gets frustrating, you know, being a Philadelphia fan because we get used a lot. Yeah. You know, people don't talk about, you know, the fights that break out in Oakland Coliseum for Raiders games. Uh, back back in the day, and and somebody actually, I, I, this was years ago. Somebody got stabbed in the stands. You know that that's just brushed over. It's talked about, but all of a sudden it's forgotten and brushed over. They don't talk about the stuff that happened in San Francisco Giants baseball games, or what happens in stadiums in L.A. They, nobody talks about that stuff. It's mentioned. It's a story for a day or two, but stuff that happens to Philly lingers for decades. It just lingers, for, and anytime something new happens, it's just piled on top of it. And I've just never seen a city like this where in Boston, 
Boston is one of the worst. Now, Boston is a passionate fan base. Boston is 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 worse is one of the worst in in America in terms of stuff breaking out in stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody talks about that. You know, yeah. And I got a few other choice words for the city of Boston also. <laughs> I don't know about it. I think you I can. Me, you don't want me to get started about the city of Boston because I have no, I have very little respect for that city for a lot of reasons. But mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. another topic for another day. Tune in tomorrow for the D Gun special. All right, uh, when uh, when it comes to uh, fan bases, I think there's a, a great example that was laid out recently uh, in, in the basketball playoffs. And if you remember, a 76ers fan dumped popcorn on uh, Russell Westbrook, I believe it was, leaving the game. He was walking up the tunnel. Uh, I think it was either the same night or the next night. Then in New York, somebody spit at Trey Young, oh, and yeah. then I think it was in Utah. This the situation uh, went out there with. Uh, I think it was people yelling racist things at John Morant's family in the stands. Mm, mm. And like what got the most run out of it was, was Philadelphia, unfortunately. And we just have that reputation. Yep. And you know what it is? Here's what Philadelphia is. No one likes us. We don't care. That's a great thing to say, but I don't think it's true. I think Philadelphia, if you're in a room full of people at a party and everyone's from different areas, the person from Philly is the person that's going to be a very confident person. And the person that everybody likes to needle because, damn, we are entertaining when we're pissed off. That's why you get the clicks. When yeah. when uh, 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 Chris Sims put out his list and snubbed Jalen Hurts again, yep. Tone, I had a very, very similar point to you. We are a lot of fun to troll because we give a damn. You can ruffle our feathers. You can rile us up. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to yell things back. We're going to get pissed off. We're going to give attention to it. And in this day and age, accuracy is not the great currency that it once was simply put attention is the best currency that there is and that's an unfortunate thing uh decency also is diminished in today's uh coverage uh but when it comes to last night just talking about the isolated incident um it's obviously a terrible look for philadelphia i will say I've, i've watched the national outlets today I haven't seen anybody pick up the story. Right, I, right. I know that I know that we're looking at it right now from a home standpoint going, okay, it blew over. Um, so that's a good thing. But let me just say this about the wave in general. The wave for me is a baseball and baseball only event. It's the only time it should be used and your team should be up or down 10 runs. That's yeah. the only time the wave should ever be used. That's it. Oh, oh, we got to take a break. We got a guest waiting on the other side. We got, oh, we got look at us just yapping. Hey, like let's, we're doing a let's, talk let's, show. Continue, let's continue this discussion after our, our guest. All, so. right, all right. We got Tim McManus coming up in a minute. Thanks, everyone, in the chat. We'll be right back. Uh, it's Sports Take. Back to Tim McManus in a second. Passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles bum, 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 bum. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from ESPN, Eagles beat writer extraordinaire, Mr. Tim McManus. Tim, great to see you, brother. Yo, Boys, what's going on? <laughs> I had to tell him the story. I got to tell the story real quick. Huh? It's yeah. fantastic. So I texted Tim yesterday. I said, Tim, do you have time to come on with us today? And he graciously said, yeah, Digon, let's do 1230. So I look at my phone this morning just because my phone's blowing up with all kinds of stuff this morning. And I look and I see Tim 950 ESPN. So then I go to my text messages and I type in Tim McManus. And under Tim McManus, I have Tim McManus ESPN 97.5. So now I'm thinking, oh, geez, who's this Tim from 950? I text the wrong Tim because I have the Tim under 950, just Tim, and the other one under his full name. So now I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? So I said, I know it's going to happen because usually Tim tells me, D-Gun, I got to get approval. I get that. So I said, Tim McManus, I text him, hey, do you have time to come on with us at 1230 today? He says, I thought we agreed on 1230. I'm like, huh? So then I start cross-referencing. And the same number, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I was thinking, because if this other Tim had texted me, hey, D God, are we still on for 1230? I was gonna act like I didn't get a text. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who this Tim is. He could be, he could be a construction worker by now. I don't know if he's even in the business. So thanks, good, thank goodness. And my wife is always on me. Why don't you go through your phone and clean out your phone numbers? I'm like, oh my goodness. Thank goodness it was one and the same. So, D-Gun, number one, you got to clean that phone up, man. <laughs> that station hasn't been 950 in like a decade, right? So, so, so that's number one. Number two, like I'm pretty delirious today. That was the longest preseason game of all time last night. So I, I didn't get to bed until 2 a.m. So I get this text from you this morning. I'm like, 
I could have sworn we just had this text <laughs> exchange yesterday. <laughs> am I am I totally losing it? <laughs> oh no, no, it was Gunner. It was definitely Gunner who was losing it. Um, Most definitely. Most Tim, definitely. He's game it, in a million directions. Tim, it, it's great to have you on, man. It really is. Uh, thank you for coming on with us. Uh, I do want to start with injuries. Uh, we know about Zach McPherson. Season's done with uh, the, uh, the the torn Achilles. Uh, looking at the other five names that made their way on the injured list at some point last night, how are we doing there? Ajomo being one of them, of course, and uh, Tyree Cleveland. Yeah, those were the two scary ones, guys. You know, anytime the cart comes out and all the players take a knee and and they're getting uh, wheeled off on a stretcher, I mean, that's, you know, everybody has a, a lump in their throat. And so they they came out with the news last night that, that both of those players have movement in all of their extremities. So that's obviously good news. But uh, we haven't gotten further word on, on their condition today yet. Um, so we, we obviously have them in our thoughts and hope the best there. As you said, McPherson done uh, with the Achilles degun, the first one on that, uh, that it was an Achilles that, that they were looking at last night. And that's really unfortunate uh, because, you know, he was a core special teams player for this team. And not only that, but like he's one of the next guys up should anything happen to whether it's Avante Maddox or Darius Slay or Bradbury. And so that's a, a bit of a blow uh, to the Eagles who already lost the core special teamer and Sean Bradley pretty recently here. Nolan Smith, he went out with that shoulder. He said that he was fine afterwards, uh, but there was kind of interesting language from him where he, he said that his shoulder is his baby and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? So we need to dig in a little bit more on that. Is this going to be like a, you know, a season long thing? Um, is there something more going on with that shoulder? Something we definitely have to explore. But generally speaking, it, it seemed good news on the Nolan Smith front. That's obviously good for the Eagles because he's going to be a pretty critical part, I think, of, of this defense, certainly moving forward. And, uh, yeah, and then Zacchaeus also with the shoulder, and we're going to be monitoring that one. Hey, hey Tim, we got to go to the elephant in the room. What, what, what are we going to do about Marcus Mariota? I mean, dude, I thought – it would get at least a little better from game one to game two. To me, it got worse. I mean, what are we going to do with this guy? I don't think that Mariota would disagree that it got worse or, or Seriani, you know, I mean, afterwards, Mariota described his play as sloppy. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty good description for what we saw last night against the Browns and uh, Sirianni kind of pushed back on the idea that the first preseason game was rough for him, but acknowledged that this one wasn't great and it reflects a lot of what we've seen during training camp where uh, Mariota has been either quick to take off or inaccurate with his throws and maybe holding on to the ball too long I mean some of it is is understandable when you're talking about a guy who's I think he said this is his eighth system Mm -hmm. in nine years and you know he's still learning things and so and so I get that but you want to have some level of reassurance as you're getting closer to the regular season that if Jalen Hurts goes down, and we know with his playing style that he might go down, yeah. uh, that the person who comes in is going to be able to capably hold it down during the time that Hurts is out. And so far, you know, Mariota obviously has not calmed those kind of nerves here in Philadelphia. Mm. Hey, Tim, thanks again for coming on to the show. We really appreciate you. Uh, you know, this Eagles defense, this team in general, uh, but most notably the defense, they're relying heavily on a lot of young guys to really come in and really make an impact and not just make an impact, but make it quickly and rather effectively. 
you know, what's your overall outlook on this Eagles defense that has lost some key components from last year up until this season? Yeah, so I think that it's the big question mark about this team, and it still looks shaky to me, and especially right up the middle. I mean, that's where the Eagles uh, decided not to invest, was at the linebacker and the safety spots. And while I think that's overall, like that's the right way to build a roster, you, you invest in the defensive front and your cornerbacks, and then you fill in the rest. But they have taken that to kind of an extreme version here, Tone. So um, so they're going to, like you said, be relying on a guy like N'Kobe Dean, who I think, you know, fortunately for them, flashed in that preseason game last night, him cutting into the back backfield, creating the fumble near the goal line. Like that's the kind of thing that they wanted to see. And you could tell like Sirianni kind of pumped up when that play happened that he was, he was glad to see it. And he said, he said, Dean's our guy. I mean, you know, so clearly that's one of the guys in the middle they're going to be relying on, but he's unproven at this level. Very good at Georgia, clearly leader of, uh, you know, an historic defense and the, on the collegiate level, but he still has to prove it here. And then safety, it's the same way. Like Reed Blankenship uh, has solidified one of those safety spots, but it's very much up in the air who that next guy is going to be. Some think it might be Kayvon Wallace, but Kayvon Wallace played all the way to the end of the fourth quarter last night. Terrell Edmonds maybe has the most pedigree out of that group, but hasn't really shown a whole lot so far this summer. And then everybody's favorite, Sidney Brown, kind of coming up the side rail, right? Like everybody's hoping that he comes and he's and he said, I want to be a feared player. And I, you know, he emulates B Doc and he emulates uh, Troy Palomalu, and everybody loves to hear that. And it seems like he's got a ton of promise but also has to you know prove that he can be a consistent force on that defense and so there's still a whole lot up in the air with not a whole lot of time remaining uh, tim uh, i i gotta be honest with you man i uh you're the first person i thought of when i woke up this morning i'm not even kidding uh you you live yeah no that's that's the end of it uh gunner you have a question no um uh, that was it. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I just wanted to make the statement. Far as he um, knows, knows how to make make it weird, right? He knows how to make it a little awkward. <laughs> called an attention getter. No. Um. So last night, John McMullen was on the uh, post game show with Gunner and I, and he invoked your name, Tim McManus. He said um, that you talked about Sidney Brown, and perhaps you know where I'm going with this. He said that uh, the thing that might hurt Sidney Brown in this defense is that Sean Desai and Nick Sirianni, what Nick Sirianni wants in his defense, is don't give up the big play. The way Sidney Brown plays, he could give up the big play. Here I am all excited about being aggressive. Here I am all excited about him playing fast and furious. And it could be something that doesn't work to his favor, favor in this scheme or philosophy. First off, can you confirm that you said those words? And second, um, it, is that true? Yeah, so Johnny Mack and I were having that conversation as we were watching practice a handful of days ago, and he told me he was going to steal that. Uh, but so he did credit you. He, he did, did credit give you. me credit. So that he that part I wasn't expecting. Yeah. You know, that was that was very nice of, of Johnny Mack to drop my name there. And yeah, that was a thought that I had because it's kind of like this conflicting thing. Uh, the the Eagles uh, organizationally have this defensive philosophy, and I think that they're only going to hire defensive coordinators that are on board with it is where we want to keep the big play off of us. We believe fundamentally that that is one of the keys to winning football games. And Jonathan Gannon, as we know, um, you know, was really big on that to the point that you know, people in Philly were pulling their hair out, you know, get more aggressive, get more aggressive. Uh, and it didn't really ever happen. And Sean Desai, uh, you know, echoed the fact that he's a big believer 
also in keeping the big play off you, which, you know, which in general is a good thing, but it comes at a cost. Uh, and that is not always being able to, to be as aggressive as you want to be. So how does Sidney Brown fit into that? Because he's somebody that wants to play uh, not reckless, but, but certainly with a level of enthusiasm and instinct that's going to lend to kind of shooting his shot, uh, steaming downhill. Uh, you use it relying on his instincts to cover a lot of ground and get a jump on things. Sometimes that's going to be amazing. And especially early on in his career, sometimes I think that's going to lead to balls going over the top of him, missing a tackle, those kind of things. And he's going to have to sort of harness, you know, all of that that he has pent up inside of him. Um, and I think he's he's got a, a ton of potential. But yeah, like how does that fit into the structure of what Sean Desai is building is a question that I just you know, I can't get a grasp on because those things yeah. seem to be conflicting, right? You know what, Tim? Um, Sydney has emerged real quick as as um, a camp favorite, and we did we did a, a little survey the other day of you know camp darlings that fell by the wayside in, in past Eagles camps. When you look at Sydney. And you're right, and I've said this before, Terrell Edmonds has been silent um, all training camp and through two preseason games. Would you be shocked if it's announced in a few weeks if Sean Desai, Matt Patricia can rein in some of that explosiveness of Sidney Brown if it was announced that Sidney Brown will be starting with Reed Blankenship? I guess I would be surprised if it started that way. Okay. I feel like he's going to have like a support role at the beginning – but it's inevitable that he's going to get more playing time as the the season goes on, because it's just hard not to watch what he does, even in a preseason setting or a training camp setting and just see, um, see what that could look like for you and the way that it it could help benefit your defense. Like the um, you know, just the ferocity that he plays with, you know, that those big hits are coming, you know, that turnovers are coming, you know, that he can cover the field. Unlike, really anybody else, uh, you know, in that unit. And if you were to just kind of like give somebody a description of what a safety should look like uh, and then line up all the different safeties that the Eagles have, like you would immediately point to Sidney Brown. He looks the part. uh, And I think, and I know that the Eagles feel really good about his prospects. You know, when they got him, they, you know, they talk about him, uh, you know, almost as highly as they talk about somebody like Jalen Carter. Like they were psyched that they, that they got, that they got Sidney Brown. So it's a matter of time, D-Gun. I don't know if it starts – I don't know about week one, but yeah. but eventually I think he takes over one of those safety spots. Uh, Tim, stand on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you brought up Jalen Carter, right? Uh, Harry Roseman, he drafted Jalen Carter, top 10, 2023 NFL draft. 2022 NFL draft, he drafts Jordan, Jordan Davis in the top 15. Uh, that's two high-value picks that Harry Roseman has so far dedicated to not just the D-line, but specifically the defensive tackle position. Um, there's a chance this there's a chance this may be Fletcher Cox's last year, right? So knowing what we know about this defensive line as it stands right now, knowing what we know about Fletcher Cox's career trajectory and where that may go, and knowing what we know about Jordan Davis's rookie season and Jalen Carter coming in as a rookie, how much pressure is on Harry Roseman to make sure the future of this defensive line uh, remains uh, on the right side of things? Because again, he's putting a lot of faith. And two young guys and, and two back-to-back drafts, he spent it on two defensive tackles. He's showing you very clearly these guys are the future. Uh, so uh, what's your overall 
uh, evaluation and outlook on this defensive line as it pertains to the defensive tackle position and how much pressure is on Harry Roseman for these two guys to actually live up to the bill? No, I think it's a, a really important question because everybody is banking, uh, including Philly, on that defensive front uh, being you know, what drives the engine defensively. And so that needs to be right. And the guys that you're investing heavily in early in the draft and Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, you know, they need to mature quickly and contribute immediately. Uh, So what we've seen during camp is that Jordan Davis has been working almost exclusively with the first team alongside Fletcher Cox and Cox after a recent practice called Davis a three down defensive lineman now. So they feel like he's going to have a big role and he's going to going to contribute. And then we see these big flashes from Jalen Carter. Everybody saw the first snap that he had against the Ravens where he just knifes into the backfield, drops Josh Johnson. It's like, well, that was easy. Like he made it look so easy that he, he thought something was wrong. Like, like a screen was coming or something. That's how cleanly he beats the guard. And then he goes into the joint practice settings up against all pro guard, Joel Batonio and pancakes the dude puts him on his back. It's like, that's not supposed to happen. Like for a rookie defensive tackle, that's a position that usually takes some time for these guys to develop. So there's, you know, there's definitely like these um, these bright flashes of potential, particularly from Carter. But you also have to remember that they're re- trying to replace the production of Javon Hargrave. And he had 11 sacks for this team last year. And to your point, Fletcher Cox, you know, is, is getting older. Uh, you know, so it, it really puts, you know, an emphasis on these young players and those draft picks. And yeah, how he's got to be right, because that's where he's investing. I think rightfully so. And these guys have to prove him right. Mm. Real, real quick, Tim. So you, you see from the defensive side of things, though, with the linebackers, uh, I think you said earlier, Nicobe Dean, his job to lose as a starting middle linebacker. Yeah. OK. Now, outside of that, Christian Ellis is having a strong camp. Christian Ellis is having a strong preseason. Obviously, Zach Cunningham is here now. He's one of the uh, lead, leaders in tackles last night, had a tackle for loss. How do you think it shakes out around Nicobe D when it comes to these linebackers? I thought it was really interesting that they decided to have the starting pair of linebackers last night as Nicobe Dean and um, Zach Cunningham, right? So Cunningham comes in, and I think he was like the the less of the touted between he and Miles Jack when they each signed their one-year deal on the same days. And Jack comes in, and he has first-team reps uh, on the very first day of practice that he's in there, and it's like, okay – Maybe he's going he's gonna to carve himself out a role. But I feel like his uh, playing time has gone backwards a little bit while Cunningham's has really accelerated. And what we've seen in practice is Cunningham making a lot of plays, including like tip balls on passes over the middle by Deshaun Watson during those, those joint practices, a couple of them leading to Reed Blankenship interceptions. And, uh, and Sirianni talked about that after the game last night of like when he used to go up against against Cunningham when they were both in the AFC South, like that was a big thing. He's Cunningham has, you know, a lot of length to him and he can be disruptive in the passing game as a result of that. And the showing that he's, you know, he's got pretty good instincts as well. And so I'm starting to get a little bit bullish on Cunningham uh, potentially stealing one of those jobs. I do think that it's going to be N'Kobe Dean in the one spot And right now it's been this competition where it's been a little bit of Morrow and a little bit of Christian Ellis. And now we're starting to see some Cunningham and it feels like the momentum at the moment is on Cunningham's side. 
Are we making too much of the fact that Miles Jack didn't even get in a game until late in the in the third quarter into the fourth quarter? Um, I understand you want to get a look at a lot of younger players, but you know when when veterans go in games, there's a certain unwritten respect factor when you insert them in preseason games because of their pedigree. And, you know, when you look at his pedigree and how long he's been in the league, I thought it was a little interesting that he didn't go in the game until that, that late in the game. No, I agree with you, Degon. You know, that, that certainly opened my eyes a little bit here too. Uh, I know that he trained in the off season with Buda Baker. And if you talk to their trainer, you know, he said that, that Miles Jack cut his body fat from like 20 plus percent down to 12%. Wow. Jack is saying that he feels like he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, but I guess we just haven't really seen it show through on the field yet. I mean, it hasn't been a ton of time for him to get acclimated. But, you know, time is also sort of running out here. And they need to make some decisions on who's going to make the 53-man roster. And then, of course, when those cutdowns happen, like do we add somebody who ends up getting cut from another team? Do we make a trade? These are decisions that are going to be dictated in part about how the guys are showing, guys that are in, in-house right now, how they're showing out. We just haven't seen it from Jack yet. I think it is a little bit telling that he was playing so late in that preseason game. And he's got to really start coming on if he wants to secure a job here. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting thing when you look at uh, what's going on uh, at that position, especially with the veterans that they brought in. Uh, What I want to ask you, last thing for me, Tim, is uh, when it comes to the backup quarterback, I am concerned about Marcus Mariota. I'm concerned about what the head coach had to say about him after the game, still trying to learn what he does well. Thought that was odd for a veteran. Uh, And then had glowing things to say about Tanner McKee. Is the backup quarterback, is the number two quarterback to Jalen Hurts on this roster right now? You know, I think so. I think so. And I think it's going to be Mariota. Part of, I believe, what we saw last night is that Mariota was trying to operate from the pocket more. He only rushed one time. That's in like sharp contrast to what he's done over his career, what he's done during the preseason so far. I think that he was trying to be more of a a pocket passer last night. Uh, Clearly, he's still trying to search for like a a firm grasp um, of, of this offense and execute it at a high level. It just hasn't shown itself yet. And meanwhile, Tanner McKee looks good for a rookie. I mean, you know, he's, he seems like he's got control of this offense, at least whatever they're giving him right now. And the decisions he he's making uh, are good ones. The ball is coming out quick and he's pushing the ball downfield. And, and we know what it often looks like guys for, you know, like a, a late round quarterback, uh, when they jump into the fray at first, you know, Clayton Thorson's of the world or whatever, like uh, most of the time it's ugly. Um, and right now with McKee, it's pretty. And his stat line would have looked a lot better if these guys would be catching the balls for him. Yeah. A lot of, there's like four drops last night, five drops last night for him. Uh, so, you know, they can't help, but they're, they have to be looking at that and be like, all right, well, maybe we, maybe we hit on this quarterback. It probably is a little bit premature to push him in front of Mariota, given that Mariota's got like eight years of experience on him. Uh, But, you know, if it continues to go south for Mariota and continues to go north for McKay, you know, then that's at some point the coaches are going to have to look at that and make a decision. Hey, Tim, for as much as we were salivating over the the play of the young secondary, that first game against Baltimore, man, they they had a rough night. You know, you look at Keely Ringo, 
Uh, that one play deep ball by Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson down the sideline. He stops for a minute, loses loses containment, loses sight of the ball. Ball drops in between two defenders, and then Eli Ricks. You know this uh, this Austin Watkins man. He was having his way with these guys last night. But that's that's a part of the learning curve for young players. But uh, as good as they played that first night, it was that inconsistent last night. Yeah, and that's why it's good to have like a lot of exposure as much as you can to these younger players because yeah. you get in one snapshot, one picture, and then in another snapshot, another one. And I think that's, you know, what happened last night with both Ringo and Ricks, you know, Ringo had, it looks like he had that, a clear path to an interception on that one yeah. pass down the right sideline. And he just stopped or, or didn't locate the ball. It was kind of a, a curious play that ended up being a reception that shouldn't have been, and then Ricks, you know, yeah, I mean, he had a touchdown scored on him. He fell down uh, multiple times while yep. he was in coverage, leading to, to multiple receptions last night. Much different than when he had the pick six and he had all those PBUs in the preseason opener against Baltimore. And now the, the injury to McPherson shines more of a light on the cornerback depth here in Philadelphia, which has been looked at, you know, throughout training camp, like pretty good. You know, they have, they have a decent group. But now it's going to push like Josh Job's importance up all that more. Uh, just Josiah Scott, who, you know, if you asked me last week, if he makes a team, I would say, you know, probably not. Now it's well, maybe, you know, because he's got experience in, in the slot corner. And if you think and that's, you know, McPherson was listed as the number two at, at slot corner. And if you look at it, Avante Maddox had a lot of injuries last year that kept him out, including a toe injury that required off-season surgery and so that's it's no guarantee that he's going to be on the field a lot so now like a guy mario goodrich is is more in play josiah scott is more in play you know there's a opening for someone like someone like ricks um and yeah and they're gonna have to make the most of those opportunities yeah uh, sorry about dropping out you guys i had a little bit of a technical difficulty uh but i'm back and i'm gonna try to get in where i fit in um Tim, I have a question about this Eagles schedule, right? And as it pertains to Jalen Hurts and where his career may go from here. Um, you know, this schedule is deemed by all that it's the most difficult schedule uh, in the NFL. And, you know, when it comes to Jalen Hurts, you know, he came he came in second. He came running up to Petra Mahomes for that MVP award. And he did miss, uh, he did miss two games on the season that kind of, you know, put a damper on his chances of, of winning that award. But... Uh, when you think about this year's schedule and then you compare it to last year's schedule, is Jalen Hurts poised even more than ever to be able to take home that MVP? Obviously, um, a lot of things have to go well. He, he has to perform. But based off the strength of this schedule, based off of the, the, the type of quarterback competition this team is going to have to face, and you're going to see Jalen Hurts face off with a lot of top-tier talent, guys like Josh Allen, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Patrick Mahomes again, um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, guys of that nature, um, he's going to have to play the safe round again. So he has he has a tall task in front of him. Is he more poised than ever before to be able to take on the MVP award if, if everything bodes well? Well, I think there's uh, things that are pulling in opposite directions that will help decide that. One of them is mm. the schedule, as you mentioned. It's just going to be a tougher road. Another one is the fact that there's more tape on Hurts now, and defensive yep. coordinators around the league have spent a portion of their offseason trying to figure out how to slow down Philadelphia – and, you know, more specifically how to slow down Hurts. And so they're going to be throwing different things at them that, that the Eagles need to have counters for. And we need to see whether that happens or not this season. So that's pulling in one direction. Pulling in the other is the fact that, you know, Hurts, as we know, every year 
uh, in his career has grown. He's got another year in Nick Sirianni's offensive system to get comfortable in. And we saw what happened when he finally was in the same system back to back years. Now this is a third year that he's going to be in there. And you almost forget it because of how good the chemistry was right off the shoot between him and his best friend, AJ Brown. But that was only one year together. Now they they're in the offensive system for another season. Sirianni's talking about the fact that Brown has gotten faster over, over the course of this off season and looks like he's ready to, to separate more and take his game to another level. And we know what Devonte Smith is looking like in the way that, that he can accelerate. And so, you know, knowing, uh, the way Hertz works and regularly grows like the, the, I think that when they talk about, we don't know what his ceiling yet is like, I buy into that. I think that there's potential for him to take another jump in his game this year. Um, what does that look like versus a stiff versus stiffer competition versus coaches that have maybe him figured out a little bit more like that's kind of the battle of this regular season. That's what it's about is figuring out just how much higher he can elevate versus, you know, in tougher circumstances. Gotcha. Tim, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. We know it's a very busy schedule and the preseason's underway. Uh, but as far as this Eagles coverage goes, no one's doing it better than you, my friend. From ESPN, Tim McManus right there. Tim, thanks so much, brother. I appreciate yep. it, guys. Always a pleasure. D-Gun, clean up that phone, man. Yes, I'm working <laughs> on it right now. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Tim. Thanks, we appreciate man. you. Appreciate See you, you guys. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is great. Um, all right. We kind of touched on it there with Tim McManus when it came right. to the quarterback position. So let's get into this in a second. Um, there were two things said last night by your head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni. And this morning, I'm still scratching my head. This afternoon, I'm still scratching my head about how he doesn't already know this. So we'll get into that when we come back here on Sports Tech. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Thanks once again to Tim McManus for joining us on the show right there. Uh, Gunner, you had asked the question about Marcus Mariota and the Eagles' backup quarterback spot. Um, I know you know the answers to this, but just please, Tone, you as well, just confirm for me this is weird, okay? And I also want to unpack what he had to say about Sidney Brown now that he confirmed he is the one that said it to John, Mc, uh, John McMullen about uh, Sidney Brown. But, okay, this was Nick Sirianni talking about two quarterbacks. I'm not going to tell you which one just yet, okay? Uh, all right. We're finding out what he does well. We're learning him. Okay. He said that about one quarterback. Now about the other quarterback, we did our homework on him. You know, uh, he's sharp. Um, uh, we like what we saw from him. Okay. The first one is about Marcus Mariota. They have to learn a quarterback that is going into his eighth season in the NFL, who has played, I believe, 80 games in the NFL. Uh, the guy they did their homework on was the six-round pick out of Stanford. As the kids say, Gunner, make this make sense. <laughs> this that doesn't make any sense to me. To me, that's cover-up speak. There's no way, when they decided on bringing Marcus Mariota in here, that they had not done their homework. You don't have to do much homework. You've seen him play. You know, just because... You may work for the Philadelphia Eagles. Every team watches every team. Every team is always looking for another player that could possibly help their team. They have enough body of work, a sample of work on Marcus Mariota from his time in the NFL. That's cover-up speak. They're I'm telling you, they're behind closed doors now. Uh, we might have a problem here. You know, we got to figure. We got to figure something out here. Either we have to streamline the offense when he's in the game, as they did with Minshew uh, last year under Steichen, or we may have to look for another backup quarterback, you know, in a hurry. They, you know, yeah. you can't you can't draft a quarterback in the sixth round and feel good about taking a quarterback in the sixth round, saying that you thoroughly did your homework on him. No, it was a position where you didn't think he would be there, and even if he was on your board when he was there, you felt that you had gotten what you needed in the previous pick, so you not you needed another quarterback anyway. And let's face it, this team likes to develop young quarterbacks. They hide them on a practice squad. And they like to slowly bring them along. So that's what McKee is to them. It, 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 how much homework can you do? You don't know if he's going. If he was that good, he would have gone in the first three rounds, not the sixth round. Play the let's, let's 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 really put this thing in perspective, right? You know, as far as you said, you believe he started about eighty games. We're talking about uh, Marcus Mariota, right? Yes. So so let's just really get 
into the nitty gritty of the specifics when it comes to what Nick, Nick Sirianni is saying about trying to learn Marcus Mariota, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Not only, not only is there film out on him, he's played in 87 total NFL games as a quarterback. He started in 74. He's went 34 and 40 as a starter. He's thrown over 2,000 passes. He's completed just over 1,300 of them, right? He's thrown for over 15,000 yards, 92 touchdowns, 54 interceptions. What more do you need to learn about Marcus Mariota? Like, I'm, 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 I'm not one to disrespect a player because it takes a lot of work to get to the NFL. It takes even more work to stay in the NFL. I respect anybody who's made it. I respect anyone. Even, I respect them even more if they've been able to sustain it. But the reality is, Marcus Mariota, and again, he's only played in two preseason games. This is a very – a lot of people don't think the Eagles system is complex at all. A lot of people don't think so because of the RPO nature of it all. But we've seen Mariota time and time again. We've seen him as a starter. seen him as a backup. We've seen him get benched. We've seen him come in for guys that have gotten benched. We've seen him in so many – Various scenarios. Marcus Mariota is who he is. And then D Gun, you you bring a, you brought up a point quite a few times about that quarterback series and Marcus Mariota and how he kind of phased into the zeitgeist. You know, he kind of just disappeared off of that show once he got benched. And that began to kind of push this narrative, not you necessarily, but this narrative kind of arose that does he love the game? Right, and I haven't and I haven't watched the series just yet. I haven't got into it just yet, but I'm but I'm going over what you, you know what you told me because you watched it uh, through and through. You know, you you know you kind you you said that it kind of looks like he fell out of love with the game, and I can tell you right now from from my personal experience, when I fall out of love with something, when my interest starts to dwindle, my commitment to it, my commitment to being actually good at it starts to fall by the wayside. My attention to detail starts to fall by the wayside. And I don't know if that's and I don't know if that's what's happening to Marcus Mariota, but something isn't clicking with this young man. Well, I don't know if we're the same age and now he's what 29. Okay, I'm 28. I don't I don't know what's I don't I don't know what's going on with I don't know what's going on with this brother. I really don't. But when I what I what I saw yesterday, he looked like he barely wanted to be there. He looked like he had no idea what his job was. And then all of a sudden you see Terry McKee come in and then you see him just run this offense not just effectively but efficiently and creates instant offense. It's one thing for Mariota to, you know, struggle a little bit and, you know, he, he's still moving the ball, but it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. No, when Terry McKee came in, the offensive line looked better. The receivers looked better. Everything looked better. And I'm not saying you got to start Terry McKee, but you got to start looking into uh, the pot of gold, so to speak, to find out where can you find another backup quarterback? Cause I don't, I don't think Marcus Mariota is it. I just don't. I, I feel that because of his two performances in a span of five days, Mariota is going to get some some playing time in that last preseason game, number one. Oh, yeah. I do fully expect Tanner McGee, McKee to, to play most of that game. Um, and, you know, we can say, well, you know, Tanner's out there playing with, you know, twos, threes, and fours. I get it. But you still have to perform. He comes out of the gate, first series of the second half, his first pass is an out route to the sideline. Perfect. Right in the numbers. I mean, we didn't see Mariota do that all night. And he was playing with the second offensive line. You know, we didn't see him do it all night. He, he completed some passes. What was his numbers? Uh, uh, 10 of 17, uh, 10 of 18. No, Mariota was 9 of 17, 86 yards, one interception. And that interception, now quarter, it happens to quarterbacks. 
that interception was more like a punt than it was an attempted pass. He had a wide receiver wide open in the middle of the field, overthrew him, and it's a pick. It was basically a pop-up for the DB, you know, and we've seen too much of that. And I think Sirianni and, 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 and the coaching staff, offensive coaching staff, are going to have to start streamlining the offense to cater to whatever strengths they identify. Whatever they identified in him when they decided to sign him, whatever strengths they believe he has through OTAs, mini camps, and training camps, and now two preseason games, whenever he's in the game, they're going to have to streamline that offense to fit his attributes to make him look better. Because at the rate we're looking at it right now, there's nobody who's watching Eagles football that has any confidence in this guy. And you're right. I wonder, after his two performances, self-admitted by him, how much confidence he has in himself now. No, I'm 100% with you there. So let's just live in a world for a second here where Marcus Mariota uh, is not it, okay? Uh, let's let's live in that world for a second. And let's not jump to the conclusion that, you know, he has, uh, as um, uh, Tanner McKee has ascended to backup quarterback. Let's not jump there. Let's assume that they're going to bring in another veteran. One of the names that was out there on Twitter all night last night, or the platform formerly known as Twitter and other social media, was Nick Foles. Would you bring back Nick Foles to back up Jalen Hurts? Tone, I'll ask you first. Tone, you want Nick Foles back here? Listen, man, I love Nick Foles. Oh, boy, here we go. You want him back or not? Everyone loves Nick Foles. Listen, I love him. He'll never have to pay for another cheesesteak, soft pretzel, or a water ice ever again. In the city of Philadelphia, he is forever enshrined in Philadelphia sports lore, right? He's up there next to baby Jesus. <laughs> like he's he's, <laughs> he's up there. So, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. <laughs> my, my, I say all that to say, mm. Nick Foles, my brother, just sit in the stands with us. It's okay. <laughs> we'll pay for your seats. We'll pay for your, we'll pay for your beer. We'll take care of you. Just but. We don't need you. We don't need you back, back backing up anything. Mm. And it's no disrespect, but there's a there's a there comes a point in time where you have to turn the page. And this is one of those situations. It's time to look forward, and we can't just keep looking back to expect Nick Foles to come in and save the day every time you know a fire starts. I am I am amazed by this uh, by by this storyline around Nick Foles. But Gunner, I want your take on it as well. Would you take Nick Foles back? No. I love Nick Foles. I know him. He's a friend of mine. But Nick Foles is not walking back through that door. He's not the type of quarterback to run this type of offense. He's not. He's a plotter. He's a Clydesdale. There are thoroughbreds you see across the NFL. There are a whole bunch of thoroughbreds. You know, Michael Vick part twos. Every team's looking for the next Michael Vick part two now. Okay. Nick Foles, and those are thoroughbreds. Nick Foles is a Clydesdale. You, you You don't want him running this offense. We're taking too long. What, what the hell was Gardner Minshew? Would you take Gardner Minshew back on this team? No. You wouldn't no. take Gardner Minshew over Marcus Mariota. I would take. I would take. Oh, I would no, 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 no. Because he, <laughs> if he, it works better. He, he, there's a relationship between him and Steichen that works better than than Brian Johnson, I believe. Okay, there's a difference. Okay, a little, little bit of a difference. Okay. Minshew could run this offense, but if he could run it the way they wanted, he would still be here. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have let him go. How he wouldn't have let let him go with Shane Steichen as a, a gift against Shane Steichen? You know, mm-hmm. you know, Minshew wasn't going to cost him a lot of money to keep him here. You know, now Minshew went to Indy thinking I got a chance to start. He's already lost a starting job in training camp. 
to this Anthony Richardson. Who we keep hearing about this dude is like world a world beater again in training camp. You know how I feel about training camp preseason game. Yes, we do. But Anthony Richardson, the boy 6'4", 255. I mean, I hope he's not the second coming of Jamarcus Russell. But he is he is a he is a specimen. But Minshew couldn't win the job in Indy for his offensive coordinator. I don't want either one of them back. Mm. And when you look at what's out there on the open market, and we talked about this last night on the postgame show, the closest thing I would want coming in here would be Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan is not suited for this type of offense. He's not. Yeah. But Matt Ryan can survey a field and throw the pass, but this offense is not just predicated on a pocket passer. You have mm-hmm. to be able to get out on the edge. You have to be able to turn up and run. You have to give a defense a look that they, they think they're seeing, but they're really not. That's what Jalen Hurts does so well. But no, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, they're not walking through this door, Mark. Give it up. Give it up they, they were better off, I'm actually. They were, they were better off trying to get Teddy Bridgewater, but he ended up signing to Detroit. I'm like, you know, it just, it just I don't or any Mike White, somebody. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Marcus Mariota just looks uh so someone put in the chat and says uh he looks disenchanted with football. And disenchanted. And when okay. they said th- 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 that just resonated with me. So and I I I don't know if it was the word disenchanted, but <laughs> he, <laughs> he just he just he just looks like football is not even on his mind. Let, let me say this. So you you brought up the history, obviously, here with Nick Foles. Um so if Nick Foles didn't win a Super Bowl here, you'd be more inclined to bring him back? No. Like, that, like that's the thing. Like, people look at the history here, and they look at it as if it would be a shadow over Jalen Hurts the way it was over Carson Wentz. And Jalen Hurts ain't that guy. The, thing I, the reason I have so much more confidence in Jalen Hurts at this point in his career than I did Carson Wentz is because I felt like at different times we got glimpses into Carson Wentz's real psyche, and I was like, that guy ain't it. That guy ain't it. But with Jalen Hurts, I feel like anything could go on around him and he'll still be laser focused. He will control what he can control. I'll go back to it again. I always bring it up whenever we talk about um, uh, Jalen Hurts' first year as a starter and they were talking about training for Deshaun or bringing in Deshaun Watson, training for him, uh, bringing in Aaron Rodgers, bringing in Russell Wilson. He was always saying I was above it all. And nothing rattles this guy. If you brought in Nick Foles, I don't even think it would register. He would look at it as like, Oh, cool. Another guy I could pick the brain of. But when it comes to just looking for to fill a backup role in Philadelphia, I would not be opposed. to. I'm not banging the door down saying you absolutely need to get Nick Foles, no, but I wouldn't be no, opposed to it. There is no. something about that Schuylkill Springwater that just makes Nick Foles play great football. If, if they and if did, he goes if, into place, I'd be all for it. If they did bring him in, I'm not going to be pissed off about it. You know, let me make that clear. If they if they did decide, hey, you don't bring in Nick Foles, I'm like, okay, All right. like I'm, I'm not like I'm, I'm not I'm not going to be upset if they bring in Nick Foles. Like I don't you know I don't want anybody over the live chat to get confused. Like I I love Nick Foles. He has he has given me he has given us all something that we've longed for, right? So I have if, if they did bring him in, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'll shrug my shoulders at it. Like, all right. But, you know, I'm not banging down the door to get Nick Foles in this building. You're right. Like, Jalen Hurts can meditate in a forest fire, and he'll be perfectly fine. So, like, you know, if, if, if Foles did come in, sure, okay, fine. But I'm not I'm not campaigning for Foles to come back. That, that's just not where I'm at with it. Yeah. Mark, Mark, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> stop. I'm just saying people were talking about it on the stop. social no. media last night during the game. You're like, you're like the guy who puts a stick in a hornet's nest just to stir him up. 
No, no, Mark. Not happening. No, no, no. I no. just I, I love that it's a name that we all love. Okay. I love that it's a guy that gave us a thing, Tone, as you said, that we never had before. But ever since he's been gone, it's like, don't you dare even consider bringing him back. This city can't take it. This team can't take it. And I'm like, well, he played pretty well here. Oh, hogwash. It's like because because uh, you, you know what it is? Every time okay, we saw what happened with Wentz, right? Like anytime sure. he had a bad pass, where's Foles? Where's yeah, that, Foles? This is this so, is so different. No, 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 no. It, it is different. You're absolutely right. It, it, it is different. And Jalen Hurts, I'm not saying it's going to affect Jalen Hurts, right? But you still have this, this small subsect of Eagles fans that believe Nick Foles is like the magic elixir to any to, to any poison we may come across, right? Like mm. it, like I'm telling you, there 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 are a small group of Eagles fans huddled in a cave that's just that has a Nick Foles shrine, and they're just holding a Nick Foles seance, just trying to resurrect this old Nick Foles spirit. And I'm telling you, if yeah. if, if Dylan Hurts has a bad game or two or a couple bad passes, bring out bring. You know how in wrestling they always say, "Bring out the chairs." Well, guess what? <laughs> And football, to bring out foals, bring it, it, out the foals. So I Nick, mean, like, it's, it's, well, it's going to be since hilarious. Mark, since Mark wants to stir up the hornet's nest, let me. I'm going to say this: I would rather have Carson Wentz running this offense because Lord. of his athleticism. Wait, wait, wait! Because of his athleticism to run out to get out on the edge, but I don't want Carson Wentz here. <laughs> what? I don't want Carson Wentz here. What? Yes, I would rather have Carson Wentz running this offense. Based on what we know of this offense, but I don't want to ever see Carson Wentz in an Eagles uniform again. Okay, Lord. Nick Foles can't. He can't. You got to be able to run. You got to be, be able to dance. That's not Nick Foles' game. Did you That's just not, out? Did you just out hot take the hot take? There you go. That's what I do. I try to <laughs> trump scorching. <laughs> I'd rather I see Carson Wentz run this offense, but not with the Eagles. That was the statement. What did I say, Mike? I don't, what did I, I say? I just, I'm trying to figure it out. I want to clarify. What did I say? I said I would I, rather have Carson Wentz. If push came to shove, I'd right. rather have Carson Wentz running this offense more so than Nick Foles because of his athleticism. But Ooh. I don't ever want to see Carson Wentz in an Eagles uniform again. I think I that's Car- the show. I think we have to wrap early. I think well, that's I, I, it. Doesn't get any better than that, ladies and gentlemen. I wish Carson heard you say that because he because he can't take his Eagles helmet off. Like I I, I, I wish he would have heard you say that. Look, listen, D. Good Carson Wentz. I'm not going to pretend like when he was at his peak in Philadelphia, we loved him. I was a Carson Wentz guy. Do not get it twisted. That was that was my main man, a hundred grand. He, I, I used to call him the Wizard. You know what I'm saying? But. He, he's he 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 is in the he is in the distance. Hey, yo, look, I'm, I'm wrong again, D Gun. Wrong again. Look, look. Look. Wrong again, D Gun. I, I got him stirred up now. I got him uh, stirred up. Yeah. I got people stirred up now, baby. Oh, that hey, is look, hilarious. Look, look, that Chad Hornet's nest is buzzing now, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Listen, listen. Somebody Look, in the chat you said, supposed to be drinking at work. <laughs> Someone in the chat said I'd rather bring back Coy Detmer. <laughs> oh, that's my boy. I love me some Coy Detmer. Don't get Woo! me started. Don't oh, get yeah. me. Ha- oh, don't get me started on all on all the happy slappy Coy Detmer in Green Bay. Come on now. Oh, um. 
Oh God, that was fantastic. Uh, hey, I do have a, a you know we don't have time to I want to have I want to have have time to unpack the entire thing, but let's just call it what it is. I don't think the Eagles are making a change with their three quarterbacks. I think Ian Book is gone. I think we've established that. Ian Book is not going to be a member of the 53, might make make the practice squad. Um, but I think Tanner McKee has proven that he could be one of your 53 men. He could be uh, he could dress on game day, and he could help you out and maybe uh, even help you in a stretch where, God forbid, you get down to him. But I do think the Eagles are going to use Marcus Mariota as their backup quarterback when the season starts. I don't think they're going outside the realm to bring in anybody else to be their backup quarterback. Gunner, what say you? I, I agree, but look at what's out there in the open market right now. I don't want any of them. Not a damn thing. And we talked about I went down the chart yesterday. You want Chase Daniel? No. You know, you look at what's out there. You want Carson Wentz? No. Look what's out there in the open market. Matt Ryan? No. So you're gonna you're gonna go with what you got. You're gonna you're gonna go with it. Now, Tanner, we're we're all we're all hyped up on Tanner McKee and, and rightfully so after based on two preseason games. But I want to see what it looks like. And I don't, and I, I don't want to see because that means Jalen Hurts is hurt. Mm-hmm. But I want to see what Tanner McKee looks like when you're playing number ones across the board. When you're playing Buffalo's defense, when you're playing that Jets defense, I want to kind of see. I want to see what how cool of a customer he is with those kind of pass rushes come after him. That's a big difference. Okay, he looks good in these games, and rightfully so because. Any opportunity you get, you have to make the most of them. I don't care who's out on the field with you. You have to make the most of them. But I think we will be pumping the brakes to see a young, untested Tanner McKee under center, even with this vaunted Eagles offensive line. When you're trying to dance, sidestep, you sidestepping like Fred Astaire, trying to get away from the likes of, of the Jets, Buffalo's defense, 49ers defense. That's a huge difference. Huge difference. You know, and, and, and the coaching staff's right. He's not ready for that yet. The fact that the NFL now allows three quarterbacks to be on an active roster, great for him. It's a learning curve that's that's afforded to him on big game situations, you know, to stand there, listen, uh, input, listen to the coaches, listen to the quarterback, listen to what Jalen Hurst is saying, listen to what Sirianni and Brian Johnson are saying. It's a great, valuable lesson for him. But in terms of him being thrown to the wolves right away, He's not ready. Really quick. No, I was just going to say, Tone, you're, uh, Marcus Mariota is your backup quarterback when the season starts. You know, it it, it is. Prediction. It is. You're making a prediction. Well, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I do believe he's going to, I do ultimately believe he's going to end up being the backup quarterback for the simple fact, you know, um, I don't see Harry Roseman trying to create more work for himself in that regard. Um, and, you know, on top of that, it's, you know, I've been thinking about this. How spoiled of a market are we where we're sitting here debating the second and third string quarterbacks? That's yeah, that, that that's that's a fascinating place to be in. And I only think it's, it's it's accentuated because of our history with success when it comes to the backup quarterback, right? You know, Carson Wentz goes down, Nick Foles comes in, does the impossible, right? So Philadelphia has naturally taken a strong liking or Paid special special attention to who the backup quarterback is because we know how valuable that position was to us. So I think, you know, because I highly doubt there are many other fan bases that talk about backup quarterbacks the way we do, right? Because they haven't had that same experience, you know? So 
it's going to be fascinating to see how this thing plays out. I do believe, again, I do believe Marcus Mariota will be the backup at the end of the day because he just, his skill set, even though that skill set may seem diminished at the, at the time, his skill set closely aligns with what this offense really is. And I think you want to have that kind of continuity um, to some degree um, when it comes to that backup quarterback position. Yeah, let me just reiterate what I said yesterday. Here are your free agent quarterbacks to pick from. Wentz, Matt Ryan, Brady's retired, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, Bryce Perkins, and Tim DeMorek, who I've never heard of, 23 years old, okay? Does anybody on this list jump out at you? Now you kind of have Carson Wentz. No, I was kidding. Uh, No, nobody on that list jumps out to me. I mean, anybody who else already has a job, Blaine Gabbert, Trevor Simeon, Nate Sudfeld, Jack Driscoll, Brett Rippian, Trace McSorley, John Wolford. All these guys already have jobs. They're back. Mike White, Case Keenum, Cooper Rush, Brian Hoyer, Sam Darnold, Jason Stidham. You know, they all have jobs. Yeah. Um, Unless one of those teams cuts somebody else like that, there's nobody. Yeah. Marcus Mariota, fan base, get used to it yep. and just pray that Jalen Hurts is not down on the turf for an extended period of time and the and the, and the uh, broadcasters announced, now entering the game, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> uh, when, we co- uh, when we come back, uh, I, I do want to get into that topic that Tim McManus was talking to us about in a, a second ago. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. At Sleep Outfitters Outlet, great sleep is a big deal. Save 40 to 60% every day on every Sealy, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Queens as low as $249. Customer exchanges, closeouts, and floor samples. Inventory changes daily, so come in for your dream deal today. With no credit needed financing, expert advice, and up to 60% off retail, it's never been easier to get the sleep and savings you deserve. Go to sleepoutfittersoutlet.com for financing details and to find a store near you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go with Sidney Brown. The idea of being too aggressive for this defensive scheme or philosophy, all right, because that is troublesome. And I thought it was, other than adjustments, I think it was the worst part of Jonathan Gannon's defense, especially in his first year as a defensive coordinator. Last year, 70 sacks, you didn't need to be all that aggressive. But um, to hold back a player who is willing to make a play, I'm going to talk to about. I, I want to get your guys' take on why that could be troublesome. We'll be back in a second here on Sports Take.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Welcome back, Sports Take. Mark Barzetta, Tone to Shields, and for Rob Ellis. Of course, that's your man Derek Gunn right there here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, we got the Phillies starting a three-game series tonight with the Nationals. Two games are in DC. One game's in Williamsport, so that'll be exciting. The Sunday game is in Williamsport. Phillies three and a half games up in the wild card right now on the rest of the pack. So I like that. James Harden's uh in the news again, there's oh, more no. to the there's more to the story. Hey, I'll just oh, say this: no. Who would have thought, Tone? Who would have thought that after uh, James Harden said uh, he'll never play for an organization that uh, Daryl Morey is a part of? Daryl Morey is a liar. Who would have thought that that relationship would be fractured uh, beyond repair? But apparently, it is. Go figure. Uh, he is back in the states now. He's back from China. He did an interview in Houston yesterday where he uh, said as much. Um. And I got to get into this because this is just insane to me. Uh, so I, I really like Sidney Brown. I think it, in the very near future, he's going to be the starting safety next to Reed Blankenship. I think that's what's going to happen. But let's unpack that for a second with uh, Tim McManus here. He plays to essentially the theory is that he could play too aggressive. He could play too uh, ballsy, for lack of a better term, for the way the Eagles like to play defense. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, like 
I understand and I appreciate the philosophy of not getting beat deep, not giving up the big play. Jonathan Gannon, his first year here, he did it to a point where it was annoying. Like, I'll use this term, force into making a mistake. Daniel Jones, to me, is a quarterback that you could force into making a mistake. Having struggles against Daniel Jones in his first year as defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles is unforgivable, in my opinion, okay? Uh, and yes, I don't have much respect for Daniel Jones in general, but when you have a defense that you could be a little bit more aggressive with and you choose not to me, not to be, I think that's a bad decision. When you have a guy like Sidney Brown, who I don't think is gambling at this point like a Asante Samuel as a cornerback, but I don't think he's gambling as a, as a safety like that, but he is going to play fast. He is going to play aggressive. I understand that every young player that plays like that has to find a way to harness it, but I don't want that to be at the, the cost of him not getting playing time or him not being a starter on this defense. Why can't a defensive coordinator, in this case, Sean Desai, unleash that? And I understand it's a different coordinator, but it's still the same philosophy of Nick Sirianni's defense run by somebody else. But the philosophy is that of Nick Sirianni. Don't waste somebody in a blitz. Don't take somebody out of coverage to blitz. Don't do that. Don't be too aggressive. Just don't give up the big play. I, I, Sidney Brown, I think, could go on to do great things in the NFL. I don't think the Eagles should should really try to harness that too much. And that's no, what I'm afraid of. No, 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 no. To refine what you're saying. Okay. You know what? They're not going to harness his energy and his explosiveness. They're going to harness his technique, the angles of pursuit, things like that, because you can have all the energy and speed you want. If you're consistently overrunning plays, you're more than a liability, you're more of a liability than an asset. Okay, so they just have to teach him how to control that aggression, how to how to harness that direct, not, not pump the brakes on him, not put reins on him. Um he is who he is. That's why he's in the NFL. And I do believe he's going to have a successful career. But, again, I compare him to a Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders was a, a smaller version of a Sidney Brown. You know, and Bob Sanders had to learn that also. You can be as explosive as you want, but you can also self-diffuse if you're out of position, if you're not communicating properly, if you're not wrapping up on tackles, if you're always looking for the big shot, throwing a shoulder into somebody, and let's face it, you're going to face a number of bigger backs. And a lot of those bigger backs are going to lower a shoulder and bounce right off of you. you. There's just little things that they have to clean up with them and yet still unleash him at the same time. Those are, those are minuscule things to change about him without changing who he is and what type of player he can be. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, D-Gun. You know, I always say – I'll much rather have a guy who I have to pull from the edge than the guy that I have to push to the edge, right? right. You know, uh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, the last thing you want in the NFL is a guy who doesn't have a motor at all, right? You can't teach motor. You just can't. So it's, 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 I feel like motor is one of those things you can't really teach. I mean, you can try to get a guy in better condition, you know, you know, uh, so his endurance is a little better, you know, so, so he can stay on the field a little, a little longer. But when it comes to motor, having that high intensity, playing at 100 miles per hour every single time, you know, it's a it's a gift and a curse. You know, I, it kind of makes me think about Russell Westbrook. You know, he's a guy that, who's always played with an extremely high motor. And at times for his career, you know, he's been he's been talked about negatively because some at, at key moments he doesn't know how to reel in his game. Uh, he always plays at 150 miles per hour. And at, at, at times, that's great. But at, at, at other times, that can be uh, a detriment to your overall success. Football, obviously, different. 
So a guy like Sidney Brown, the last thing I want to do is change his approach to the game. Like D-Gun said, I want to refine his game. I want to fine-tune it. I want to smooth out those edges, right? I want to make him a little bit more technically and fundamentally sound. Uh, I want to I want to help increase uh, his football IQ and his understanding of the game, right? Just because you have a Corvette that goes 200 miles per hour doesn't mean you always need to drive it at 200 miles per hour, right? You need to learn how to drive it at 80 sometimes. And then you got to know how to get... And then you got to know how to get it to 110, then bring it back to uh, 40 miles per hour and then go from zero to 60. You know, like you have to teach him to master his motor. And that's pretty much where he is right now in his career. And he's learning. He's young. He's a third round pick. Um, I know a lot of people want him to be a week one starter. Um, I believe he has the potential to be that. But again, he has to refine and master his motor. Uh, once that comes into play, oh, man, Sidney Brown, the world is going to be his oyster. <laughs> Here's where I'm at. As long as I, and I, I love everything you guys are saying. My only concern is that eventually all that adds up to timid. No, don't be that aggressive. Don't be that, you know, be a little bit more conservative. Yes, be smart and all that stuff. And every player needs to be smart. But my only concern in all of that is, yeah, yeah, you know, let's 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 uh, you know sharpen it a little bit. Let's uh, let's make it a little bit more smarter. But at the same time, it could be a concern where you play a little bit more timid because let's face it. If that is the M.O. of whatever Nick Sirianni wants his defense to do, that's timid. When you're not aggressive, you're in the NFL, I believe you're either aggressive or you're timid. Yes, there is a fine line sometimes of just being smart. But in a defense that already doesn't blitz, and we saw actually Sean Desai blitz a little bit. Ben Van Sumeren was sent on a blitz a couple of yep. times last night with that third team, fourth team. So that was good to see. So maybe Sean Desai is going to do something a little bit different this year. We'll see. But the only thing I'm, I'm worried about is I think you have something very raw and special in Sidney Brown. Yes, it needs to be fine-tuned, maybe finessed a little bit. But I think that edge is what makes him – ultimately is what's going to make him into a special football player. So but, as long as it doesn't border on timid, I'm good. But far as we don't want to take away his aggression, right? I want to push back on you a little bit. We, I, I don't think what we're saying necessarily is turn him into this timid player or – Oh, no, no, or, no, no. no. Or, I, I totally – I, yeah, I totally I, you know, understand. I, yes. I, just, I, I, just, I just think, you know, there's a fine line between aggression and recklessness, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's a fine line. And – I think all NFL players have to walk that, especially with the way the, the game is called um, against the defense these days. You know, you can't put you can't put hands and feet on these quarterbacks or any player really anymore. You can't you can't you can't be but so physical. So again, like a guy like Sidney Brown, he has everything you want. He has the mentality. He has the motor you want at that position. Now we just want you to master that. You know, we want you to pick your spots and understand that. Listen, you're a 200 mile power Corvette. We don't need you to go 200 miles per hour all the time. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta take care of that Corvette. You want that engine to last a long time. So just be smart, pick your spots, and make plays. I think that's, I, I think that's pretty much we're all, all, all we're saying. I, I, but I think, I think we oh, all, I think we all agree yeah. on that though. I think we all agree. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no. I, 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 you guys are a thousand percent right. I'm not disagreeing with that. I think that I think you guys are dead on to what the Eagles want him to do. My only concern, if right. they accomplish that goal, is all of a sudden he starts thinking. And he doesn't look like a player that thinks. He looks like a player that reacts. And to look, me, look, the look, best football look. players react. That comes with trusting your technique, though, right? You know, sure. once, yeah. once you you know once you build up that technique and those fundamentals, then the motor becomes second nature, right? You know, now you know technique becomes second nature. You know, if you know, uh, I, I, I think I think City Brown is what, is what said this, right? He says he, he says when you're out there, the last thing you want to be doing is thinking. 
because if right. you think because if you're thinking you're a second, you're a millisecond too late. That's, That's exactly when, right. You know, trusting your you know once once your fundamentals become refined and become intact, now your now your fundamentals and your technique and your motor is working uh, in unison. And at that point, that's when you're out there playing mindless but brainful football. You know what I mean? Let, let's put it in its proper perspective. And I'm going to relate it to two players that uh, Sidney Brown uh, said he related his game to. And let, let me just clarify, I'm not comparing him to these two, pe- two people. He has a long way to go to be in the same conversation. But he talked about how he tries to pattern his game after Troy Palomalo and Brian Dawkins. You think they came into the league? and played the same way as a rookie as they did when they were 10-year vets? Absolutely not. It's a process that evolved. And both of them played with great explosiveness every time they stepped on the football field. But they learned how to harness that energy, when to attack, when to step back and wait, without it affecting their technique and their ability to decipher what they're seeing in front of them in a fraction of a second. That's, That's what makes an outstanding safety. And if he's patterning his game after that, if he learns those traits from those two, this young man's going to have a long, illustrious career. But he's got the he's got the great initial attributes. He wants to play 100 miles a minute. He wants to be a big hitter, but he has to add to that game. And that just as a rookie, he's going to add to that game in his second year and his third year. It took Brian Dawkins four years to become Brian Dawkins. Think about that. As good as Brian Dawkins was, and Brian will be the first to tell you this, it took Brian almost into his fourth year and when he got under Jim Johnson to really evolve into the Brian Dawkins we knew and love who became a Hall of Famer. It's not going to happen overnight, but he's got the great physical attributes right now. It just has to be. It's like taking sandpaper and smoothing out that rough wood. That's what he has to do. It's basically what it is right now. You know, really quickly, Farzee, Sidney Brown is actually in a very, very good situation, right? He's obviously playing with some top-tier DBs with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Um, he's also playing next to a guy in Reed Blankenship, who I understand he was an undrafted rookie last year, but he was a five-year starter at safety at Middle Tennessee. And one of the first things we noticed about Reed Blankenship, more than just how, how good of a tackler he is, was how fundamentally sound he was at the position. And that was the stark difference we saw between him and CJGJ. Yes, CJGJ had six interceptions on the season, but I could point out plenty of times on tape where that man was out of place. That man, that man was not where he was supposed to be. Some of those interceptions he kind of walked into. And, and the reality is, Reed Blankenship, you saw the difference between those two, you saw him understand the position better. CJ is a natural slot. They moved him to safety. Reed Blankenship, he's a natural safety, so he really has that position and what it takes to play at that position. Uh, he has that down pat. Now, obviously, playing at the NFL level, you have to up your game. But from a technique standpoint, from a fundamental standpoint, um, Reed Blankenship stands out in that regard. And with Cindy Brown being next to Reed Blankenship, also with Reed having that experience playing with the Philadelphia Eagles that made a deep playoff run, I think Sydney can benefit tremendously from playing next to Reed Blankenship and just truly um, you know, really understanding the, the true nature of the position. It's so, it's so funny. They're kind of polar opposites a, a little bit. Um, Reed Blankenship doesn't necessarily have the high motor that a Sidney Brown does, but he has all the technique and fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Sidney Brown, the opposite. So if those two come together, then I'm pretty sure they both can kind of bring the best out of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. One more thing I want to say about Sidney Brown before we uh, move on. Uh, Gunner, I know I told you this last night. And Gunner, I don't know if you got the video I sent you, Tone. I just sent you a video. I don't think we can use it on the show because it's NFL footage. Oh, yeah. um, 
But there's one particular play, and you, could, you can go ahead, Tone, if you got that. You can take a look at it. But Zaire mitchell Payton is a um, tight end with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I believe he's an undrafted um, uh, tight end. Six foot five, 256 pounds, okay? In the video, and I think this was in the second or third quarter, Sidney Brown came up to make a stop at the line of scrimmage. He approaches the line of scrimmage. He doesn't get to the line of scrimmage because it's a run play, goes to the outside. Sidney Brown goes in pursuit. This six foot five, 256 pound tight end squares off with 5'10, 211 pounds. So Sidney Brown is um, seven inches shorter and 45 pounds lighter. And he throws away Zaire Mitchell Payton like he's a rag doll. Um, I know that some people look at safeties and whether or not they could get around blocks and they could shed blocks and whatever. As a 5'10 safety, he got around a 6'5 guy like there was no problem. That's their one-two mentality. And, you know, and that's what I love about Sidney. And I loved when I watched him play in Illinois. He was the same player, you know. But he played with more of a reckless abandon uh, at Illinois. You know, he he overran plays. He missed tackles because he was trying to get the big blow-up shot. And sometimes he missed. He didn't wrap up. Or running back or ball carry put a move on him and just go right past him. You know, so there's certain little traits to his game that still need to be improved. You know, he's got, you know, he's fearless. This dude steps in a hole. He's taking on blockers. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to blow, try to blow somebody up. He made a great tackle in a hole last night, came up and blew up a running back in a hole. You know, but I don't want to see, and I said this on the postgame show last night, I don't want his career to be mired in. He hits so hard, he hurts himself more than he does the opposition. Mm. That's a great point. That's a great point. Tone, did you see the play? Did you get it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, man. Uh, Sidney Brown is one of, I'm telling you, man, he, he's one of those guys where he's going to make you feel him. You know, I have so I have so much respect for guys like that, that, you know, that play that play big. It's kind of like a, a basketball term. You know, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're short, but they kind of play, they kind of play larger than life. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was a that was a pretty interesting play. It's, it's a play that kind of, you know, falls by the wayside because it didn't really change the outcome of the play. But mm-hmm. you just see. You just see the the mentality that he, that he already approaches the position with. Yeah, and you see the ability. You see the ability uh, in, in that regard as well. All right, uh, I'm going to bring this up, fellas, right now because I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we got a lot of football still to dissect here. But uh, I mentioned it earlier. Our boy James Harden was back in the news. Oh, no way. <laughs> oh. And Gunner, I love your. T- I think you and I have the same take on this, but I, I love the way you put it. it I am not going to be held hostage by James Harden and his antics this offseason. I try to have everything under the realm of I'm going to get what I want. Bottom line, I wanted to see the Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey 76ers. We're going to get to see the Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey 76ers. You talk about uh, startup costs with a guy like Sidney Brown. We're, we got startup costs already paid when it comes to Tyrese Maxey. So potentially we could see him take that next step and become an all-star player for the 76ers. Okay. So that's what I'm getting out of it, Gunner. I think you're in the same uh, way of thinking. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, your boy James Harden just needs to disappear. <laughs> just disappear. Um, right. He keeps talking, and the more he talks, the worse he makes himself look. Mm-hmm. Because basically, he's confirming what other teams out there are probably thinking. I want any part of this guy. If he doesn't get his way, he's going to shut down on us. Or he's going to cause a disruption we don't need, and we're trying to build something here. 
I don't want any part of that. Yes, he's, he he can be a phenomenal scorer. Yes, he could help our team, but he could also hurt our team with his antics. His history is long, and I don't want to say illustrious, but tainted. His Very much tainted. Yes. And so, I don't want no part. So he basically, he's shooting himself in the foot in terms of where he could possibly go because he keeps running his mouth. You know, um, Kendrick, Perkins tell him, yeah. says, Kendrick Perkins says something very interesting about James Harden. And I'll try to make it as concise as possible. He says, quote, the NBA doesn't need him. They move on from old superstars and have a bunch of young superstars coming in every single year that could replace him. The league moves on. That's a fascinating take. And it's also so, 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 so true. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about Antonio Brown. The league moves on from you. When Antonio Brown was going through what he was going through and decided to go, you know, jump off the deep end, Antonio Brown was still considered, from a talent perspective, one of the best wide receivers in this game. But you see how quickly the league just moves on oh, from yes. a guy? How quickly the league yes. just, you know, the, the the next best thing comes into the league, right? For every Antonio Brown, you have a guy like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, right? All those, all those, all those young guys that came in within the past two, three, four years, you know what I'm saying? And AJ Brown. You know, like DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, I can go on and on. The point is, the league the league will always be okay because there's always new, hot, young talent coming in. So James Harden, I don't know, you know, this is this is kind of like, I kind of liken you know, his mindset to the delusions of Grandor. Like, he, he, he kind of he, he kinda overvalues where he is right now in his career. But clearly... He has done the same exact thing at every single location when he does not get his way. And teams catch on to that. And look, I kind of gave him a pass about what happened in Brooklyn because there was so much more going on outside of just sure. the KD stuff, the Kyrie stuff. You know what I'm saying? No need, no need to get in detail. But the reality is there was so much more going on around him. And he he kind of seemed like the only stabilizing force at the time. So I kind of gave him a pass about Brooklyn. But just overall – how he how he act how he's acting currently in Philadelphia, it kind of seemed like you 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 knew this was coming, but at the same time you kind of prayed and hoped that this wouldn't be the case here. But then again, I mean, it is James Harden. So, uh, well said, uh, understood. Uh, I do want to let people know in case they were worried. James Harden is back in the United States. He is no longer in China. More precisely, he is back in Houston, where he had a. I assume this is a. James Harden Town, JH Town charity event. Uh, this uh, he's got it coming up this weekend. Um, and the way they wrote the story for KHOU eleven, their reporter Jason Bristol caught up with them last night. So while we were all watching the preseason game, he was having a conversation with uh, James Harden, and he was asked the question. Now go figure. James Harden calls Daryl Morey a liar twice. Uh, he says he's not going to work for an organization or play for an organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. And he's asked the question, uh, is it too late to repair your relationship with the Sixers? James Harden says, I think so. Really? He goes on to say, uh, when he was asked about the patience he needs to get through this situation, I've been patient all summer, says Harden. For me, it's just to focus on what I can control. That's working out, staying in shape, and getting ready for a good season. Look at that. The guy's working his ass off already. He's not going to be fat. We already know it's a fat suit anyway. He doesn't actually get fat. Uh, But he needs to have the patience. (laughs) He needs to have the patience, Gunner, 
to get through this ordeal that he's putting himself through. Go figure. Well, he, if he wants out of here, zip your lip. Don't say anything. Let the process take care of itself. You know, you keep talking, man. You're turning more people off than on. You know, why are you talking? Why Why isn't his agent talking? Would you please not say anything unless his agent just has no control over him whatsoever? You know, if, if you if you as an athlete put your money-making livelihood in the hands of a reputable agent, you should be smart enough to listen to some of the things he has to tell you to enhance your probability of making more money or moving in a direction you want to go. That's not James Harden right now. The, the entire city of Philadelphia, you basically put the, the Sixers in a position. They cannot allow this man to step back on the court in a preseason game or a regular season game. Yep. And people were tearing Wells Fargo Center down, booing James Harden. And probably, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get some knucklehead throwing something at James Harden. Oof. Listen, and that's going to be a that's going to be a national story. Hey, listen, D Gun. Listen, Farsi, I'll tell you this right now, right? As much as 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 fans of sports, right? I think we all can agree we we love sports, and you know, it's you know, sports have been a constant thread in all of our lives. Even you guys in the live chat, I'm pretty sure we all can attest that sports have been a constant thread throughout all our lives, right? And as much as we would love to, we would love to keep sports on the court. We would love to keep sports on the field, on the pitch, on the ice, or, you know, on the, you know, on the mound, right, on the baseball diamond. We, we would love to keep sports in the arena. But the reality is, in sports, there's business. And then in business, there's politics. And you're dealing with people at the end of the day. You're dealing with people in suits, running these corporations, these multi-billion dollar corporations. So knowing what we know about business, in order for business to work properly, you got to have relationships. And James Harden is forgetting that key nuance about conducting business. You're trying to get traded, my friend. That's a business transaction. In order for the transaction to go through without a hitch, Daryl Morey has to maintain some line of communication or some sense of positive relationships with the other teams that potentially may want you but you're kind of poo-pooing on that you're kind of you're, you're kind of mudding the waters with your antics you're off the court you know uh spiels about how Darren Moore is a liar and he can't be trusted well guess what other GMs looking at you like okay Darren Moore is a liar can't be trusted why do I want why do I want why do I want to make a deal with Darren Moore who someone said he's a liar and can't be trusted you, you, you guys get what I'm saying? So, again, James Harden, you want you want this deal to go through without a hitch? Just relax. Enjoy your, enjoy your multi-millions. Enjoy China. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just fall back. Stay in shape. Lord knows you're probably going to struggle to do that. But the reality is, in business, you got to play the game. And like D-Gun, like you always say, sometimes if you want to get along, you got to sometimes go along. That's right. That's right. I don't care how powerful you are. Sports conglomerates can break you. You know, look at what they we've did to it. Colin Kaepernick. We've seen it. We've seen and it. We've seen it too many times. In too many instances, players have been broken. Players have been blacklisted out of leagues yeah. across the board. We see it too many times. It's like it's, you, know, it's, you can't just remove. Like I understand it's a sport, right? And yeah, like everyone—they're all playing a child's game at the end of the day, right? Making multi-millions. We we get that. And as fans, we want to keep this thing on the on the court. We want to, but it's not—it's not that simple. This is this is business, everyone. So <laughs> this, especially you, James Harden, this is business. You should know better than anybody, man. Just 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 pump your brakes and relax. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
uh, th- here's here's what sucks and, and use that term muddy the waters and all that stuff like my dad is a, is a pretty good businessman uh i do admire him for it and he'll always say you know children don't belong in business um in other words you know you can't fly off the handle you got to maintain that cool calm demeanor throughout the entire time you're having a business transaction this goes this obviously goes against that when it comes to james harden because if you really want to be traded why are you making it a hell of a lot more difficult to be traded that's the thing that I don't understand. If he really wants to be traded, why is he making it so difficult? And I don't, I really don't believe that Daryl Morey promised him a max contract. I don't believe that. I think that they kind of beat around the bush with it, talking about, hey, you take care of us now, we'll take care of you later, that kind of thing. And their version of take care of you later was maybe a two-year deal at like 75 million, you know, 80 million, whatever it was, something like that. But not like this, where it was just going to be a one-year opt-in. So if James Harden really wants to be traded, why is he making himself that much more difficult to be traded? The answer to that is because it'll make Daryl Morey look bad. Because he feels like in some way, shape, or form, whatever was sitting in that room, he was wronged. He was taken advantage of and he was duped. And his only way to get back at him is to try to make him look like a fool. And as far as the argument goes about now other players won't trust Daryl Morey, I know there have been people, P.J. Tucker, a current sixer, saying he's standing with his boy, standing with his brother. Bottom line is players are going to go to where they're going to get paid. And the contracts are well written out. It's not like the NFL where we could say, hey, you know what? We're going to sign you to a five-year deal worth $150 million, but really it's a two-year deal worth you know, you know, $80 million, whatever. They're going to sign contracts with an ownership group. Say whatever you want about Josh Harris. The guy pays people. So Josh Harris and this ownership group are going to pay people to come here and play basketball. They're going to pay them at a high rate. So I don't think the relationship between Daryl Morey and the players gets soured through this as long as the players are actually signing contracts to get paid. Also, if you're coming here to Philadelphia, you're coming to an organization that is uh, at least a playoff contender every single year with Joel Embiid and now I think with Tyrese Maxey. And yes, even with this year coming up here, uh, Tobias Harris, who I think will play very well under Nick Nurse. Um, But everything else, uh, I think, will be thrown to the wayside when it comes to James Harden eventually and finally moving on from this franchise. Hey, um, just to give you an update, just came out. The Eagles uh, announced that both uh, Tyree Cleveland and Mauro Ojomo suffered concussions in last night's game and that uh, Cleveland also has a sprained neck. Uh, And that's it as of right now. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. Mm. Okay. Well, hey, look, I'm I'm happy – uh, that it's not more serious than what it could have been. The minute yeah. we heard about moving extremities, uh, that certainly relaxed me a little bit. Now, hopefully Sorry. it's a speedy recovery and they're back on the football field yeah. before we know it. Uh, when we come back, look, uh, we had a lot of players going to the game last night. We had a very long game. There was, what, 83 plays in last night's uh, game? 83 plays by the Cleveland Browns. That's a lot of defensive snaps for the Eagles. Uh, let's go through it. Stock up, stock up, stock down. When we come back here on Sports Take.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hey, Gunner, you know whose birthday it is today? Who? Robert Redford. Absolutely. Robert Redford, one of the greatest actors of our time. One of my favorite sports movies of all time, also natural. Uh, it is his birthday today. It's also Roberto Clemente's birthday. I did not know that they shared a birthday. How about that? Oh, I, have a lo- I have a laundry list of great birthdays today. Oh, do you really? Who, who else you got? Well, we usually do that at about 2.50. We hold that okay. off. We oh. close off the show. Scooby. And, and movie, so, so, uh, yeah, and it's not, and it's not Robert Redford; it is Charles Robert Redford. That sounds like someone. Before, sounds like someone before my time. You mean the old? You mean Chucky Rob? <laughs> you know old Chucky you know, Rob? Wait a minute! You don't know who Robert Redford is? Tell hey, listen, I know too many Roberts. The only, the only Robert I acknowledge is Robert Ellis. <laughs> oh my goodness! Old That's Ellis the only Island. I acknowledge. Old Ellis Island at TU. Oh my goodness, he's so uh, he's so young, Mark. Yeah, look, here's the deal. Here's where I think people, because I got this a lot too. Like people would reference someone to me, and first off, I'm a Frank Sinatra fan. Okay, that was well before my time. Johnny Carson retired when I was ten years old. Okay, I still know Johnny Carson and could like rattle off some of his bits. Right, like hey, hey, here's hey, look, I'm a, I'm a Curtis Mayfield fan. Right, Curtis Mayfield. Okay. 
before my time. You know, I'm a Rick James fan, you know, before my time. You know, I'm, uh, you know, the Fantastic Voyage, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, oh, yeah. I you know, this, uh, How do you know these things and not know some of the greatest actors Zapp in history? How do you Zapp not know this? Zapp and Roger, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid, you know, with my, you know, with my music history. Okay. Uh, so, and um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with actors, but that, that guy got by me. Okay, are, fair enough. Are you fans of all those great musicians and don't know who Robert Redford is, one of the greatest actors ever? How do you not know that? Hey, listen, let's leave it at that, D-Gun. I don't want to disrespect anybody. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect anybody. Let's, 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 let's just call a spade a spade, okay? Um, yeah, I saw Robert, I, I, that, I, that movie, The Natural, is just one of those movies that I have to watch whenever it's on. It's like Shawshank Redemption, yes. uh, The Natural, Godfather. Those are movies that if it's on, I just got to watch it. it. It's a totally different thing, but like the movie Major League, I got to get at least like three Harry Doyle lines in. Yeah. Before I move on and change the channel, like one of those deals. But Rob Redford, natural happy birthday to Rob Redford. I'm sure we'll get more into those uh, a little bit later in the show. A um, couple of things before we get to stock up and stock down. I do want to go with one quote. I don't know if you guys saw this. Tim McManus alluded to it during his interview. But did you guys catch any of uh, uh, Nolan Smith after the game yesterday in his locker? No, I didn't. Yeah. You know, fill, fill, fill me in, Farzan. I, 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 I'm not afraid to say it. I love this guy. I know we just met, but I love this guy. This guy's incredible, okay? Mature beyond his years. I bet you he knows who Robert Redford is. But anyway, um, he... Uh, <laughs> hey, look, look, I like look, what you did there. Look, look. John Dickerson even said Robert Redford was in one of the Avengers movies. Now, I know you've seen all the Avengers movies. Yeah, I have. He must have been an extra or something. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> I told look. you, let, let it die. Let it oh. die. I don't want to get to let it die. Oh, this guy! I, I cannot sit down and, and eat at a table with Rob Ellis. I cannot go to movies with Tone. Can't talk movies <laughs> with Tone. Can't do it. Oh, I love <laughs> movies, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a movie guy, but uh, Robert Redford, you know, give me something else he was in. You know, trying to refresh the my sting? memory. You never saw The Sting? No, I haven't seen that movie. You have seen it? I haven't. He has not. He has not, he has seen, not the seen the movie. Seen thing. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Are you kidding me? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Now you guys got me looking at this man catalog like I care. Let me look. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let me look at this man's catalog now all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, he was uh, in a movie with Brad Pitt. What the heck was the name of the movie with him and Brad Pitt? No, he was doing a narration. It's called um No, no, no. You're thinking River Runs Through It. I love that movie. Great yeah, movie. I, phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, but no, he was in a movie. Spy Games, I want to say was the name of the yeah, movie where Robert Redford game. played like Spy Game. Yeah, he paid Tony. He paid Tony Scott or something like that. He played a okay. Character. No, no, sorry, I, Tony I, Scott was the director. I apologize. Tony Scott was the director. Okay. Game. He played. Yeah, no, that was that was a, that was a good movie. Director. Operation Dinner Out, Spy Games, really good movie. I think that was yeah, the Spy Game. Yeah, you you, you have it in front of you, Tone. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm looking. Okay, okay. he wasn't even a soldier. He played Alexander Pierce. Okay, all right. He played he played one politician. Like, come on, man. Like. I'm <laughs> And listen, listen, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all politicians, they're expendable. Come on, man. That's what he was. I was trying to think of who he was in that. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but uh, yeah, Robert Redford, happy birthday. Roberto Clemente. We'll get to some other ones a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I have, to, I have to mention this. So Nolan Smith's at his locker. And he, let's talk about the injury first. Okay, let's get this out of the way. 
he did say that he his shoulder is like his baby. Sometimes the baby is all right. Sometimes the baby is not all right. But he then said that the, it's not a what did he say? It's not a nagging injury. It's not a lingering injury that he's good to go. He didn't sound like he was good to go, but that he said, me, it tells yeah. me that's kind of a shoulder that pops in and out of place. Like, you know, you know, you have dislocations and fingers, you know, I've seen it happen all the time. You know, they'll pop in and out of place. You pop them right back in. You keep going shoulder. Sometimes popping in and out. You, you keep going. I, I hope it's not one of those things. Yeah, he did say he was taken out just for precautionary reasons. He just needs the shoulder to get loose. Said the shoulder's like his baby. It was a little stinger. Gunner, you pointed that after the game as well. Um, And then he said this. Tone, do we have this? The comment he made after the game. Do we have this tweet? We put it out. This is fantastic. Listen to this. Just uh, He's just mad at himself because he's got to make plays. He's got to finish. That's why they brought him in here. They brought me in here to finish plays, not get close to almost do it, but they brought me in here to finish and make plays, and that's what I'm here to do. Is that not the mentality that every Philadelphia sports fan wants from the defensive player? Is that not the mentality you want from an edge rusher? Is that not the mentality you want for a guy that's going to be going after quarterbacks in, in situations that aren't blitzing? But, hey, look, it's not a hurry. It's not a hit. It's a sack. He actually yeah. wants to finish the play. Gunner, this guy speaks to the heart of Eagles fans. That's what I'm talking about, man. You're a hungry dog. You know, he, he's going after that bone every chance he gets. That's what I like to hear. That's why they brought him here. You know, and, and I love his mentality. You know, he's a little he's a little on the smaller side, but, man, can he make it up with speed. You see where he was chasing, chasing, shedding blockers and chasing down people in open space? Mm-hmm. Man, I love his speed. Love it. You know, he can, dip up, he can dip up under these bigger tackles, man, with that quick move of his. Oh, man, I love everything about this game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's had so many moments in this preseason where, you know, he's come so close so close and then he ends up influencing the play and, and someone else may get the sack or get the tackle for loss. So he's he's definitely having an impact on the game. That's really all you can ask for from a rookie, right? You know, uh you know drafted uh first round, I think 30th overall. And we, you know just a guy a guy with that kind of mentality, you know, he fits right in. You know, a lot of people already compare him to uh the likes of Brandon Graham in terms of just his his approach and understanding the city and just having that dog-eat-dog mentality, right? I think the Eagles um, had a really, really strong draft class. Uh, they 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 clearly did their research, not just, uh, you know, with the X's and O's, but also did their research on, on, on these guys' character traits and, and, and how they fit into the culture and to the city. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree. Um, and, yeah, I think personality-wise, he is absolutely Brandon Graham. I think play-wise, he, he does remind me. I think all the comparisons are right in terms of just players he reminds you of in terms of style, and it is definitely Hassan Reddick. Absolutely. A thousand percent of sound right. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Okay. Have you guys heard of this eat off the floor mentality? He was wearing a shirt that said, Okay. He was wearing a shirt that said, Eat off the floor. I, I, it might have been Kemsky that asked him about it um, and, and just said, Hey, you know, what's eat off the floor? And he's like, Oh, that's the mentality they instilled in us in Georgia. He's like, You got to be hungry enough. You got to want it bad enough to eat off the floor. That's right. So when right. Ty- okay, so you've heard this before, Gunner. That's right. You know what? When you're defensively, I understand what the coaches are saying, man. If you want it bad enough, you want to get your stats, you want to be respected, you got to be doing. You got to be willing to do things you normally wouldn't do to get to where you want to go. You got to be able to get down and eat off the floor. You know what? It, it ain't all. It's not all a gourmet meal. Football is not all a gourmet meal. Sometimes, sometimes you got to take it to the gutter. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I even take it, you know, as far as, you know, uh, being grateful for your position, right? You know, understand, you know, understanding that, look, you know, everything that comes your way is not going to come in the form that you want it. So you got to find a way to, you know, turn limes into lemonade. You get what I'm saying? Even though that's not technically possible, but you get what I mean here. Like, yeah, you got sure, sure, you, sure. you, you, you to find a way to make do with what you have, you know, on defense, it gets grimy, it gets dirty out there. You know what I mean? It, get, it gets muddy in the water. So you got to find a way to navigate that. You got to find a way to, uh, you know, maneuver through all the nonsense, even even if you feel like, damn, like it should have went my way. Damn, I almost had it this way, that way. The reality is, look, it ain't always going to come the way you like it. The, the, the fact of the matter is, you got to you got you got to make do with what you have. And as a defensive player, you're given a lot of scraps, and you got to find a way to turn those scraps to a gourmet meal, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> he's all about it. I mean, what we ask of all our athletes obviously is have that aggression play every game. Like it's your last play every down. Like it's your last. And I think that's the mentality that Nolan Smith's going to bring. And I don't think you just need to see him in the preseason to know that you have to learn a little, a little bit more about the mentality. That's why, you know, some people don't really give a damn about what people say when it's an insight into their mindset. I, I give a damn. You can learn a lot from a conversation with somebody. You can learn a lot by listening. And I learned a lot from listening to Nolan Smith uh, in his time since being drafted by the Eagles, obviously watching him, going back, watching more tape on him from Georgia. You really do learn about not just his mindset, but of course his ability, which is what matters above all else. The last thing I'll say about the injury, I've never seen this before. Um, Gunner, he was telling, I don't know who the reporter was. It was a female reporter. But she asked him about the shoulder, and she said, he, "She said, how is it now? And he said, oh, it's fine. Shake my hands. <laughs> he, he put his hand up. That's goes, funny. I'm fine, but shake my hand. And she's like, what? And shook his hand. And she's like, see? That's see? No, I can a, shake he, your hand. He's good. No, he's he's good. You know, he 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 has a future. He has a future in this business. He's good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> by the way, who is it? Dank? Dank saying, hungry dogs run fast. They hungry do. dog, hungry dogs run four three nines. So that's good. Uh, he also said that he's Nolan Smith is the perfect example of a hungry, hungry dog running faster. And there was one more comment I wanted to get in here. Uh, Kevin Savard, Farzi, maybe Harden should spend some time with Nolan Smith. All right, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that should happen. Uh, one other thing happened last night before we get into our um, uh, stock up, a uh, uh, stock up and stock down. Nicobe Dean did address the media after the game as well and talked about how valuable it was to have that experience of him communicating with Sean Desai on the sideline. He ended up playing a little bit more, Gunner, than we originally anticipated. Uh, came up with the big play. I had asked, make one play. Nicobe Dean, show me something. Go out there and make one play that I could dine on between now and the start of the season. He did that with the forced fumble. Obviously, got the penalty called on him as well. But how important for him not only to get more than 10 snaps out there on the football field, but that, uh, get that communication with his defensive coordinator and also force that fumble at the goal line? Um, he, he got more snaps, obviously, because Cleveland extended that drive for so long, that first drive. Um, but that was a great move by him. He dipped up under the Whitby blocker, shot the gap, and, and, and stripped the ball. And that's what we expect to see um, from the Kobe Dean. Um he made up for a gaffe. You know, he, he got a, 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 a unnecessary roughness penalty the previous play, shook it off real quick, focused on what he had to do, let's stop them, and made the play that turned the ball over to the Eagles because that touchdown could have been a deciding factor in the outcome of that game. Not that I care about who wins or loses the preseason game, but, you know, those are the kind of plays you're going to have to make in, in crucial situations when money's on the line. And I, and I like that he showcased that. 
you know, like you said, we saw one play from Jalen Carter last week. We saw one play from N'Kobe Dean this week, you know, and you build on that. You know, those are the things you, that you build on. If N'Kobe Dean's name had not been mentioned all night, we'd have been sitting here talking about, where was N'Kobe Dean last night? He didn't do anything. But he made that one play to give you a, a small sample of what could be in the middle of that defense. Yeah, Gunner, you brought up a good point, the fact that he did have a penalty prior to that, and then he redeemed himself with the, uh, with the forced fumble. So that tells me right then and there he has a short-term memory, and that's the kind of thing you need to have on defense, right? You know, playing linebacker, playing corner, so on and so forth, playing any position uh, really in the NFL, you got to have a short memory. Like we, were, like we were just talking about with Noel Smith, everything's not going to go your way right away. You know, everything is not going to be – perfectly you know suited to your circumstance so you got to find a way to make do with, with what you have and he managed he managed to bounce away and exercise that short-term memory okay i got the penalty but you know what i'm going to do i'm going to come back shoot this gap and force this fumble now the only thing i would say is you know with the maneuvering of shooting the gap i do i i, I did like what i saw from him in terms of you know getting from point a to point b um it did it did kind of look like an arm tackle a little bit i kind of don't want to see that but he did punch the ball out in the process so I got to give credit where credit is due. He did impact the game. He did force a fumble and give the offense another possession, even though it did lead to a safety. But that's not on him. He did his job. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Still want to see more, but this is a step in the right direction, and I'm excited. Uh, one thing he did say about the uh, penalty, he thought he hit his own player. He When he was asked after the <laughs> – Gunner, seeing your face. All right, so what? he said after the game – they said, well, what do you think about the penalty? And he's like, I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand it. I, I didn't got to see the film on it. I, I just don't get it. I thought I hit my own guy. I thought I was okay. And they're like, I forget who it was. It might have been Dave Zangaro. It was like, you got him pretty good. And he's like, oh, really? <laughs> like he didn't, he had no idea. So, so he hadn't he hadn't seen the play. I guess he didn't look up. I don't know if they played it on Fanavision or Jumbotron, whatever, in the stadium. I don't know. But um, he had still had yet to see the play. He wasn't sure. He thought he hit his own guy, not the quarterback. Now, Gunner, you and I talked about it last night. Let's get this out of the way. It was a quarterback going into a slide. It was a penalty. It was a hit on a quarterback. It was uh, unnecessary roughness. He, it was the right call. Not arguing for the sake of Kobe Dean, arguing for the sake of defensive players everywhere, Gunner. This is one of the more impossible things that the NFL is asking players to do, uh, especially defensive players, especially in a goal in a near goal line situation deep in the red zone where your hesitation could lead to a touchdown or it could lead to a, a play being made. And this is an example of that. Quarterback goes into a slide a little bit late, tries to get an extra yard or two, and Kobe Dean comes across and I don't he didn't necessarily throw a shoulder into the head, but he had his arms out, still made contact. And it was a penalty. It was the right call. All I'm saying is it's a very difficult play for a defensive player to all of a sudden go, goal line's there, player's here, up, I better hold up now in case he slides. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing for a defensive player. And this is the one thing that frustrates defensive players the most, and we've seen plays like that last night, have caused defenses to lose momentum in big moments, to, to uh, thwart big offensive drives. They've got to do, by the letter of the law, it was a penalty. But the letter of the law is flawed in terms of what the penalty should be. When a defender is coming full bore and he's already committed his body to strike a certain zone, and the quarterback, as we talked about, he slid late. You know, he waited until he got right in the middle of coverage and slid late, okay? 
And again, and then Kobe Dean think he's going to catch him in the midsection, caught him in the helmet. You know, it's got to be it, – that's got to be a play referees have to look at over – and if it extends the game a few minutes to get the right call, by all means. It could cost a playoff game. It could cost a Super Bowl in a situation like that. That that ruling has been so vague for so long, and it drives defensive players nuts. I understand you're trying to protect offensive players, but defensive players are saying, what about protecting us? You can't expect somebody to offer uh, to alter their strike zone in mid-strike without trying to hurt themselves. You know, twisting out of the way at the last minute could be a shoulder injury, a hip injury, a knee or ankle injury. You know, you've got they've got to redefine what is and what isn't. Now he took a shot to the head, yes, but it was because he slid late. Nicobe Dean did not change the momentum in which he was about to strike the quarterback. The quarterback made a move at the last second that put his head in the line of that hit. And this happens all the time now. And defensive players are going nuts because they're the ones being penalized for something that has not been looked at. They keep revamping rules across the board in the NFL. But yet they've come up with this particular rule. They've determined emphatically what is and what isn't a strike zone. But there's no variation to it. And every situation is a different situation. Now, there are some players that are just still headhunters, even in today's game, trying to make a big hit. But for a guy who is trying to be technically sound, he's being penalized for the wrong thing, plain and simple. You know, it's it's, it's so it's, it sucks for the defensive players because they are in a tough position, right? You're asking them to you're asking them to play balls to the wall, but at the same time, you're asking them to play timid. You know, like we talked about earlier, right? You know, it's it's a real it's a really unfortunate situation that they're in. It is unfair. I do think it does need to be looked at a little bit more. Uh, closely, and I do think everything needs to be looked at at a case by case basis, and not just this overarching rule. Um, but I will say this though, right? No one cares about the roughing the quarterback unless it's their quarterback, and vice versa. And this is what I mean by that, right? Obviously, Nicobe Dean hitting that quarterback late, so to speak, it was a penalty against the defense, right? Everyone hates the rule then. But when it's their quarterback on the opposite end of it. Yep. You got to call that, man. That was lit. You got to call that. So it's, so it's it, you know, it, it's always fascinating, you know, from the fan perspective, how we digest, you know, those two uh, different situations. It's, it, it, it always intrigues me how we're so how how we're able to compartmentalize rules and how we want them to work in our favor. But when they but when they actually go against us, all of a sudden the rule doesn't make too much sense. And again, I say all that to say defensive players are in a very sticky situation. And that's why a lot of guys don't like playing defense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Def- playing defense is a thankless job in the NFL. But I also think, you know, as consumers of the product, you know, we got to be real with ourselves. Like, I'm going to always keep it real. I believe in keeping it real with myself more than anything. I like to mm-hmm. always check my own biases. I like to understand why I think the way I think. I like I like to understand why I feel the way I feel about something one way and why I may feel differently another way, depending on how it affects me. And when it comes to the reference to quarterback situation, if if Nicobe Dean is my guy, so if Nicobe Dean gets caught up in that call and, and I'm like, damn, that sucks, man. Now we now you just gave up 10, 15 plus yards, and that sucks, man. That rule sucks. But let that have been Jalen Hurts and they hit a guy late or it's kind of ticky tack. I want that call. So it's always funny how we, you know, we like to play around with the rules in our mind based off who we like. It's, it's it's always a fun talking point for me. 
You can say the same thing about the pass interference rule. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most inconsistent rules. These guys are hand-to-hand combat. How many times have you seen a, defend, a defender draped over a potential pass catcher, catcher? It's not called. In the next game you watch, if he breathes on the pass catcher too close, it's called. You know, it, there's no consistency there either. When you look at the deep balls, why do you think a lot of quarterbacks throw up the deep ball? Because that's a play in the, in the playbook now because more than 50% of the time they're going to get that call. When they go deep a lot of times, the receiver will slow down and defenders looking for the ball runs into the receiver, pass interference. Mm-hmm. It's a design play now in playbooks. They have to refine that rule as well. If a receiver is running full bore and a defender gets him before the ball, that's one thing. But if a receiver is just – and I understand he's coming back to get the ball. In that case, if, if a de- defender's head is turned around, he's looking for the ball, he runs into the receiver who slows down to try to get the ball, that should be a 50-50 ball. That should not be a pass interference call. But 95% of the time, in that case, it's a pass interference call. And that's not right. It's not you know, right. Gunner, I, I would like to see – it's an interesting, interesting point. I would like to see the percentage of – of gain, like a percentage of positive of the way it affects the offense. Like if you throw that up, okay, what's the percentage of times that you catch it and you get the, you get the ball, you know, you get to completion. What's the percentage of time added to the amount of times it's called a defensive pass interference. What percentage comes out with it gain being a gain for the offense versus what it is as a loss for the D de- or excuse me, a interception for the defense or just an incompletion. I'd love to see the percentage split as far as that ruling goes with pass interference. But as far as this rule goes, to go back to tone what you were saying, I think Gunnar and I are on the same page. Generally speaking, this is a bad rule because it does not give, especially in this particular instance where the, uh, who is it, Rob, uh, Thompson Robinson is running from the seven-yard line. Right. So you're talking about I got to make a decision within seven yards to whether or not I just allow him to trot into the end zone or whether I try to make a play. He had a line to make a play. It just so happened in that line, uh, uh, Thompson Robinson started to go into the slide, and that's where the penalty occurred. So it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's one of those situations. Yeah, the seven-yard line is the biggest problem. Yeah, I think I think what what these refs need, need to kind of you know add into the rules is if you if you're a quarterback and you slide way too late, like it's one thing if you slide and the guy's like a yard to away, like to two yards away. Okay, you you slid, but if you slide and that guy is a yard or less away, then you got to eat that hit. I'm sorry, like like that that needs to be added in at, at the very least. You know, if, if quarterbacks, quarterbacks, you want to be protected. Quarterbacks, you want to slide so you don't get hit. You better make sure you slide in time because if you slide once, if you slide a yard too late, I'm not calling it because mm-hmm. now, 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 now these defensive guys, we're putting them in danger, right? You know, it, 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 it just it just it doesn't make any sense. But again, you know. Letter of the law, they're going to call the game how they want to call the game. But if you know, if, if it was up to me, I would have a threshold. I would say, look, you better you better make sure you're three yards or more away. Because if you're not, I'm let I'm, I'm letting that defensive guy take your head off. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, there's one more thing I was going to say on that. Um, finally, ah, for another day. Uh, all right, let's go through. Uh, oh wait, okay. When we come back, we got some stock up. Stock down, thumbs up, thumbs down for some Eagles players that were either on the bubble or greatly looking to help their cause in either making the team or making it as a starter on this squad. We'll get to all that more when we return. Plus, uh, Gunnar, I think you got some birthdays for us as well. So we'll get to all that more when Sports Day continues. 
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. and Nationals start a three-game series tonight, 7.05 start time. Michael Lorenzen will get the start for the Fightins, his first game uh, since uh, throwing that little no-hitter that we all enjoyed so much. That was a good time. I like that uh, guy, man. I like that uh, guy. Did, did you, have you noticed the difference in his arms? When the Phillies acquired him, I uh, I was like, hold on, Michael Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen. And I knew he was with the Tigers, but I was like, hold on a second. Oh, this guy from the Red? I remember him with the Reds. And he would come in and relief appearances, bullpen guy. And his right arm, his throwing arm, was Matt. His okay, it was Popeye. Okay, his right arm was Popeye. His left arm was olive oil. Okay, no, and come it's on. Kind of, it's kind of like Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr. had that infamous crazy bicep, and one arm is significantly like smaller than okay. the other. Like, look it up, Roy Jones Jr. Bicep. I'll look him up. Okay, for former multi-time middleweight champion. Yeah, sure. he, he's he's known for having that. One just crazy, just bicep because all he did was throw hooks. He didn't throw jabs. Roy Jones Jr. just throws hooks. So <laughs> yeah, look it up. You know, just just Google Roy Jones Jr. biceps. Okay, I will I will do that. But Gunner, if if you look up Michael Lorenzen, there will be pictures of him like holding something, and you'll see his right arm Popeye, left arm olive oil. That's the best comparison I could I could come up with. Wow. That's, a, that's what. It's the best thing I could call it. Uh, but, yeah, they're at it tonight. Michael Lorenzen makes the start uh, for the Phillies. And uh, 
Hopefully they'll put a, a, you know, a second win together and then they'll win another one and they call that a winning streak. So that's what we'll hope for <laughs> when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies as far oh, as that goes. Really quickly, really quickly, man. Yo, yo. How, how badly do your Phillies disdain you? They, how badly did they get into your skin? How, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being like they they can they can ruin my day quite literally. Uh yeah, yeah, they could ruin a day. They can. I, like, like here's the thing with baseball though that's so great is that it's right back. You're right back at it the next day. Like they could oh, that could really suck. They could ruin your night, they could ruin your afternoon, and but then they're back. Like the Eagles lose. You got to live with it for a week. Oh man, are they gonna bounce back from this? They got a week, and then you gotta listen to the coaches speak. And like the thing I love about baseball is that there is it's the sport with the least amount of BS. It's the mm. most substance because there's the most games. The things that matter most are the games. In football, there's the most BS. The only thing I don't like about football is that there's more BS in football than ever. There's one day that matters with the game, and then coach talks, doesn't want to tell you anything. Players talk, they don't want to tell you anything. All that stuff. And you have to go for another week to week to enjoy you know, the next game. Baseball, it's like bullpen pitchers in baseball versus starters. Uh, when people get demoted from starter to bullpen, they like the idea that anytime they go to the park, they could be in a game. It's it's similar to like that type of mindset. But yeah, mm. baseball, you could turn the page quicker because you got another opportunity the very next day. Football, man, that just, I mean, baseball could ruin a day, an evening, an afternoon, whatever. Football can ruin a week. Yeah. I'll put it to you like that's, that. That's a good point. That's the way I'll, that's, that's how I'll, that's how I'll describe that, you know? Um, Hey, uh, let's get into some stock up, stock down. I've been uh, teasing this for a couple of uh, segments here. I want to make sure I get this out here. Uh, Nicobe Dean, thumbs up, thumbs down. Gentlemen, when it came to his performance last night. Go thumbs up from Tone. Gunner? Got, got, got to. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been craving for him to get on the field. He, he gets on the field and he forces a, you know, forces a turnover. I mean, I mean, I mean, sure, maybe like he, some fundamental things you might want him to work on, whatever, but. I mean, he made an impact, you know, when it mattered most in that goal line. So, you know, I, I, I can't take that away from him, you know. So, I, you know, I had to say stock up. Stock up. Gunner impressed. Um, I don't want to use the word impressed because he had the one definitive play. I thought it was a nice start hmm. to what we need to see. I, I can't say impressed yet. Right. I need Before I'm impressed, I need to see multiple plays. Yeah, it was cool to see, right? It was cool. It was, it was like yeah, okay, was positive, cool positive direction. Yeah. Like if, if if his stock was like this, he just turned it to this now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, you know trending, I mean? it's trending upwards. Yeah. Okay. Copy yeah. that. Copy that. Understood. Uh, let's go with the running backs here. Trey Sermon uh, had the fumble. By the way, Gunner, I didn't mention this to you last night. I literally, while I'm watching Trey Sermon carry that football, I'm yeah. like, oh look at him, he's a high and tight guy. Good for a hit fumble. Like yeah. I was like. Oh, look yep. at him carrying the football way up there. And then, boom, right place, right time. I think it was Diabate, the same guy that got in on the safety, jarred the ball loose, and, the, of course, the, the Browns were able to pick it up and, uh, yep. and take control of the football. But uh, Trey Sermon also had the 33-yard run, aside from the fumble. Stock up, stock down on Trey Sermon. Gunner, I'll ask you first. Uh, my stock's going to be up on him because I like him as a running back. I'm not every, – every running back fumbles. It happens. You don't want it, especially when you're trying to make a team and you're considered number five in a depth chart. And plus, he's not a rookie. You know, he's been around the league a few years. So that was a negative. But he bounced back with a nice 33-yard run. I love his game. He's a tough runner. He's not the fastest runner out there, but he can run by people. Uh, but he's a tough runner. Keeps the, the, the feet moving after initial contact. Uh, definitely thumbs up with him. Okay. Trey Sermon, thumbs up. Uh, Tone. 
Trey Sermon. I would, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely have to say uh, thumbs up as well. And it almost was a thumbs down because that fumble was so egregious to me. But I give him the thumbs up because he really responded. And again, we talked about Nicole Ding having that short-term memory, right? As a running back, if you fumble, you got to have a short-term memory. And he did that. Uh, he came back with a 33-yard run. And it wasn't just some, you know, BS run where the hole was gaping. No, like he, he, you know, he made some moves there, right? He read the blocks. You know, even Tim McKee got in on the blocking action, right? So <laughs> He um, got in the way. He got in the way. He, yeah. he, got, he, <laughs> he, he, he diverted traffic, right? He was a traffic cone. <laughs> he was a traffic cone. <laughs> That's um, a good way to put it, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Trey Sermon stock is definitely trending up. A little, mm. and, and I agree with Deacon. Like, I love tough physical runners, man. Like, I'll be honest, I love the Marshawn Lynches of the world, you know, more so than I love the Chris Johnsons of the world. Remember Chris Johnson, the speed, of course. Stars, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Marshawn type of running back, the, you know, the, the Laguerre Blouts of the world. Like, the, those are my kind of running backs. So, uh, Trey Sermon, I, I would love for him to make this roster. Um, but for uh, me, yeah, stock up. Yes. Uh, all right. Sorry, guys. Hate to do this, but. Thumbs down, Trey Sermon. Fumble the football. You're a borderline roster player. Fumble on the football all willy-nilly. Forget about it. Not going to happen. You know, right before, right before, when you made that sound, I thought you actually raised the cheek because you apologized for what you were about to do on, on the mic. I'm like, no, he didn't. I know he didn't go that route. If he would have fumbled, fumbled after the TD run, I would have been yeah. like, yeah, stock down. Yeah. If he would have done it after the first – if he would have fumbled on the one-yard line like pre-celebrating – yeah, then I would have. But he fumbled before the, the mistake came before, you know, the redemption. <laughs> so I got to I got to say stock up. I had to, <laughs> at, at least for me. The gutter. I have a little bit of couth. I swear. I swear. Couth. Right. C O U F. Couth. Oh, you said couth. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Composure, composure, poise, professionalism. Okay. Um, Christian Ellis. How about this guy turning heads all the live long day? Yeah. yeah I, I thumbs would. up, obviously. Definitely thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, Makes I, agree, nice I agree with her. Blew up a screenplay. Nice coverage on a, on a pass to a running back over the middle. Um, he's done nothing but trend upwards. And you can tell he's hungry about fighting for that starting job, not, not just the backup role. I like I like so far everything I've seen from Christian Ellis. Definitely f- thumbs up. Okay, yeah. thumbs up. Tone, same thing. Yep, I agree. Yeah, he had a moment where, like you said, he blew up. He blew up the other uh, screenplay. Him and Morrow uh, read that play pretty well. Um, and then he had another play where he was at. He was tasked with uh, um, with guarding the uh, the running back. The running back came out of the backfield, and the quarterback threw him the ball. And uh, Ellis did a pretty good job in coverage and um, prevented a forced incompletion. So. I mean, you know, again, that, that, that second, third string talent that he's lining up against. But Christian Ellis is doing everything possible uh, for him to stay on that field and make this 52-man roster. And that's all you can really ask for. So, yeah, stock up. Yeah, I, w- I want to find the exact series it was. But um, he had himself a series against the Browns. Uh, he had two tackles, on b- both of which he was shedding blocks. Uh, and then he had the pass breakup as well on that same series. So three plays that were made on that series were all made by him defensively. So that was a great thing from Christian Ellis. Now, as great as, yeah, except as great as that was for Christian Ellis, there was another series that was probably as bad for another rookie. And that rookie's name is Tyler Steen. Back-to-back all-start penalties. What the hell, bro? Now, I understand – he was at the right guard spot, which is not his natural habitat. He's a he's a tackle, but he's learning the position of guard. 
He kind of got away with it a little bit there for a second by some Eagles fan standard because there was an interview going on with Dallas Goddard at the time he made the second consecutive false start penalty. I think the guy is going to have a long career in the NFL. His footwork looks great. Maybe it was a he, he, uh, Nick Sirianni was asked about it after the game. He said maybe there was an issue there with the cadence. But fact is, the bottom line is back-to-back false start penalties, not a good look. For Tyler Steen, I will say in this one particular instance, for me, stop nitpicking, please. Who who was the quarterback at the time? Wait, hold on, really quickly. Marcus Mariota. Who was the quarterback? Marcus Mariota. Say it one more time. Marcus Mariota. Okay, then there we go right there. Like I said, you know, when Terry McKee came in, the offensive line started playing way better. You know, it's 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 not it's not a mistake, but um, but to your point though, I'm I'm still I'm still stuck up on Tyler Steen. They're asking him to do a lot, right? Sure. Now, you, you know, it's, it's not often you see someone being cross trained. It's, it's not often you see someone able to put left tackle and then they're also going over to right guard. It's a complete flip of your technique and your fundamentals. So sure. um, I had to give him I had to give him and on top of that, he's a rookie. So I had to give him a break in that regard. I'm not going to hold it against him. Like Deegan always says, the best of the best has false starts. So um, I can't I can't really hold that against him. I'm still stock up on Tyler Steen based off of his position. He's learning two different positions at the exact same time in the NFL as a rookie. He's been tasked with grasping a lot and they say he's doing pretty well. So um, I got to give him credit for credit is due, especially when Marcus Murray. We've seen, we've seen pro bowl players. Well, how many times have we seen the Eagles have back-to-back false starts in games that count? It happens. Can't remember one time. You you know what? You're just saying that so you can support your, support your statement. Uh, but you know what? It, you know you got to get used to different quarterbacks' cadence. If you're on the road, you know sometimes you can't hear the count properly. Uh oh, did we lose tone? Did the tone freeze up on us? Tone's frozen. Tone's fro- put up the shower curtain, folks. Uh-oh. We don't have tone. The organic microbiotic shower curtain he was talking <laughs> about. Whatever the heck that thing is. Oh, good lord. Uh, and then uh, okay. I'm going to group these guys together because I think they get the same grade here. Uh, Zach, I was not Zach McPherson, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Eli Ricks and uh, Keely Ringo. Uh, they had an off night compared to the way they played um, the first game. They had an off night, but that's uh, young rookie players, um, you know, and, and they're going to make those mistakes. You know, uh, Keely got caught. Uh, not being where he should be or or completing his coverage on one particular play. Hello there, Mark. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's Bizarro Friday, dude. What do you expect? I don't know. Yep. Bizarro yep. Friday. But uh, and then of course uh, Ricks is slipping and sliding all over the field. You know they couldn't they couldn't contain his Austin Watkins. You know, but Watkins you know has a few years in the NFL, so you know he had the advantage there. And of course those guys are working on technique as well. So a lot of times when you're working on technique, especially things that are unnatural to what you do, you know, you're going to get caught sometimes, but, but, make, but make those mistakes now when they don't mean anything. Make them now so that when you're called upon, you're not making the same type of mistakes in a game that counts. Mm-hmm. Now, the- thousand, right. thousand, thousand percent with you right there. Um, the thing that did bother me was obviously the Keely Ringo play where he looked like he had every, every box checked except when he turned around. And I was yelling at the TV for him to turn around because I thought he was going to have an interception. He turned around and couldn't locate the football. I had no idea where it was. And right. I like the, the point Mike, Mikey Miss brought up with this. Mikey Miss uh, joined us uh, after the game last night as well. And he's like, a young player like that is used to quarterbacks that can't make that throw. A young player like that is used to the idea of, oh, I am blanketing this wide receiver right now. 
No quarterback's going to try to make this throw. Sure enough, they made the throw. And uh, and ended up making him look pretty bad in that in that particular instance. Uh, one name uh, also in the defensive back category. I was ready to write him off, Derek Gunn, but now we got an injury injury to Zach McPherson. Such is the nature of the business here. Josiah Scott. I was I did not like how he played in uh, week uh, preseason game week one against the uh, the Ravens. Came back last night, played a, a, I thought a very solid game for him. So my stock for Josiah Scott, including the injury to Zach McPherson, puts him up in my book. Where do you have him? Uh, for me, the jury's still out on him. I, I need to see more of him. Uh, you know, when I looked at his game in the past, when I'm about to give him credit, then he does something, um, out of the context of being successful. Um, he played fairly well last night. Um, if he can maintain that consistency, uh, it, yes, I'm, I'm in this corner, but I need to see more of it, and, and I do think he's one of those players that are on the bubble. I really do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree. Uh, that's uh, Oh, uh, and Kayvon Wallace came back in the game last night. As we mentioned earlier, there was about 83 plays. Uh, John McMullen told us afterwards, and I think, Gunnar, you were saying the same thing. This is a long-ass game, man. You needed players yeah. to play, bottom line. Well, when you have six injuries, man, and it extended time, especially two injuries, they had to bring the card out. You know, first you had to stabilize them and bring the card out. That's going to make the game that much longer, you know. Um, good news is both of those guys, can they're not worse than what we thought they could have been. You know, concussion is no joke. Uh, you know, neck sprain, no joke. But luckily, they have all movement in their sh- extremities. Now it's just a matter of clearing concussion protocols. And, of course, um, for Cleveland, getting to a point where their neck is not bothering them anymore. So, um it's unfortunate. No, you know, nobody expects that. You notice how the Eagles had six players go down and Cleveland had none. Yeah. Yeah. And the Eagles, the, uh, the training staff has been fantastic. Um, yes, they have. This is just, uh, this is just one of those things. Tone, we're glad to have you back. Is everything okay? You get the shower curtain up. That, that That's hilarious. I like that. Uh, the organic man. biochemical shower curtain. That is hilarious. <laughs> you, 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 got, you guys are eating that one up. I love it. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, internet. You guys know how the thing goes. Like you, you, you put so much faith. In, you put so much faith in technology these days, and still it fails you. So, mm-hmm. oh, you uh, see, yeah. uh, you see the Ravens signed Jadavian Clowney. To a oh yeah, team? yeah. How old is he now? Like 30, I don't know. I think. For a guy who's uh, who's considered this pass rusher, man, he's played for a lot of different teams. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He's a he's a guy whose career who. Hasn't really lived up to expectations. Being, you know, being drafted first overall, not just first round, but first overall. Yeah. You, you expect and, and not have a double digit sack season under his belt. You would expect a lot more from him. Mm. Three time Pro Bowler. That's amazing. I did not expect him to be a three time Pro Bowler. Um, but yeah, he doesn't make that play uh, for South Carolina, the one that went viral. I, I don't think he's the number one overall pick, but damn, that got a lot of people's attention. Um, also, uh, worth noting, uh, I forget who it was that officially put it out there. Maybe it was Adam Schefter. It was Adam Schefter. Um, Jason Peters wants to come back for a, what, 20th season in the NFL. Well, hey, listen, man, if, 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 if they're still, they still willing to sign the checks, Miles will cash them. <laughs> and I think that's a big motivating factor to Jason Peters. Jason uh, Peters reminds me of the movie Freddy Krueger. You know, just when you think you, just when you think you buried him and he's gone, he 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 rises from the ashes. Yeah, 
But Tone is right. If somebody's willing you to pay it, I'm willing to take your money. I ain't mad. I ain't mad at him. I ain't mad at all even. Uh, mentioned the Phillies. We mentioned the James Harden story. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've uh, we've pretty much covered it all here today, gentlemen. Uh, let's have some fun, Gunner. You have some fun-filled birthdays for us. Wait, hold on. Uh-huh. Have, hold, on hold on. Have we not been having fun already? Uh-huh. Oh, we've been having fun. Okay. Just, having fun. Just, just just making sure. Making but sure. not not the he he kind of fun like we're about to have. <laughs> all right, we're gonna start with uh, Patrick Swayze, great actor. Uh, he was born on this day in 1952. Uh, act the actor Andy Samberg was is forty five. Uh, Charles Robert Redford is eighty seven, still with us. And Tone, you need to watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Jeremiah Johnson's a good movie. Mm-hmm. The Day of the Condor is a good movie. You got to watch them. Uh, Edward Norton. Tone, do you know who Edward Norton is? Oh yeah, absolutely. All uh, right, here we Fight, go. Fight Club. Uh, what else? Primal, like, Primal he, Fear he, is his best yeah, role. And, and the Incredible Hulk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he, he's he, he's he, he's a he's a tremendous actor. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, the Italian Job. One of my favorite movies of I all. I just time. watched that last I, night. I love the Italian Job. Love I just it. watched it last night again. Does, doesn't get enough credit. Uh, he's fifty-four today. All I know him is, all I know him as is Selma Hayek's ex-boyfriend. That's the only thing I know him from. Very Selma Hayek. Okay. Anyway, uh, Christian Slater <laughs> is uh, fifty-four today. Christian Slater. Ah, uh, uh, Slater. Roberto, I like I like your Slater. Yeah, uh, Roberto Clemente, born on this day in nineteen thirty-four. Uh, actress Madeline Stowe is sixty-five. Uh, act- Shelley Winters was born on this day in nineteen twenty. Dennis Leary is sixty-six. Malcolm Jamal Warner, Theo from uh, the Huxtable, is 53. Uh, let's see. Meriwether Lewis, uh, the le- one of the leaders of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, for those of you who know your history. Mm-hmm. Born on this day in 1774. Uh, Rosalind Carter, wife of uh, Jimmy Carter, 39th president. She's still with us. God bless her. 96 years old. Uh, the actor-comedian Martin Mull is 80. Uh, Jake, Jacob Vargas, who played the Joker in Next Friday. You remember the Friday movies? Uh-huh. With, uh huh. With you know Ice Cube and all these guys. Are you talking about Baby Joker and uh and those boys? Like he played you know, in the second one. You know the guys who live next door yeah. to uh, Michael. Hey, Apps. hey, no more locked doors. Yeah. No more. <laughs> Bend the wire. Bend the wire. Uh, he's fifty-two today. Uh, former NFL tight end Jeremy Shockey, forty-three. Elaine Boozler, comedian, 73. Uh, Dontari Poe, who's a good NFL D-tackle, who's now a free agent, 33. Justin Strelzik, former Steelers offensive lineman, is 55. And former great college basketball coach, uh, Gene Bartow, was born on this day in 1930. Played, uh, He coached 36 years at six different universities. Wow, that's awesome. I got some movies for you guys, if you don't mm. mind. Here, tell them real quick. I just need to say this. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary, if you guys have not seen the movie Judgment Night, with Dennis seen. Leary, yeah. all, all, um, okay, Emilio Estevez, okay, yeah. um, uh, God, uh, Jeremy Piven is in it. Dennis Leary plays this like street thug, and he is fantastic. It is a phenomenal movie, highly recommend it. And Gunnar, I do have to ask you this because you did work in Pittsburgh. There is like a secret Roberto Clemente museum in in Pittsburgh. I think it's somebody's private collection. I want to say it's at some firehouse. It's that so you have- I never heard that before. And okay. I, lived there, I lived there 10 years. I hadn't heard that one. Okay. It might be more recent, but somebody told me about it. I've been to Pittsburgh a million times since then, but um, 
somebody told me about this like secret uh, private collection of Roberto Clemente stuff. You really have to know somebody to get in, type of thing. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if you had heard about it or not. Okay, I right. heard about it. Yeah. Right. Now, really quickly about our guy Dennis Leary. I know a lot of yeah. I, I, I like animation as well. He has two iconic voices in animation that I think he doesn't get enough credit for. Okay, he, he played Diego in the Ice Age. Diego was <laughs> he was the saber uh, tiger. Yeah, and he, also, and he also played Francis, the ladybug in A Bug's Life. I love okay. that. All right, I've seen both of those. Okay, all right. See, we learn something on this show. We don't just we don't just spit venom all day. We learn things as we go along. I like that. We do. I hate I hate learning. No, all right. Um, <laughs> was that your movie? Was that was that your movie stuff? Oh no, it wasn't actually. Sorry. Oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You cut me off. All right. So, uh, 2017, The Hitman's Bodyguard with uh, Samuel oh, Jackson and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, 2006. And Selma Hayek. Yep, and Miss Strong. Uh, 2006, Snakes on a Plane with Samuel Jackson. I'm tired of these other snakes on the plane. All right, 2000, The Cell. Uh, 2000, again, uh, the original Kings of Comedy. You know, yep. uh, Bernie Mac and uh, Steve Harvey, Cedric the Entertainer, Cedric, the yeah. Legends in the Game. Uh, 2010, Vampires Suck. Uh, 2006, um, Accepted with Justin Long and uh, uh, what's our boy named Jonah Hill uh, and Columbus Short. Um, 2017, uh, Logan Lucky. 2006, Material Girls. 2000, Godzilla. 2000, and 2000, Trust the Man. That's what I have for you. Oh, I got a 2006, The Illusionist, which is a great movie. Very good movie. You got to see that. Uh, 1972, one of Mark's favorite movies, Deliverance. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> 1995, Mortal Kombat, and also 1995, The Babysitter. <laughs> Hey, sounds good to me, man. Oh, it's 157. We got to close this thing out. Oh, hey, a pleasure as always, guys. Thanks for having me all week. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Oh, you can come back anytime and clown with us. Oh, you, oh man, yeah. you, you guys made it fun, man. I appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity all week to kick it with you guys, man. You guys are two two guys I, I respect in this game, and uh, I learned a lot from you guys through all the fun and all the antics, truly. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate, appreciate you that. holding it down, keeping us on the air. Always appreciate you, Tom. Yes, sir. And our boy Rob Ellis will be back on Monday. Uh, everyone in the chat, thank you. You guys are fantastic. I see somebody shouting out my old high school, William Stark there, Archbishop Wood Farsi. Remember those days well. Damn right there. Oh, a lot of fun in those walls, man. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for having me. See you guys. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000.